Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Good to go. Right on. Well, right thanks on. for having me. Hey, yeah, Kate, thanks for coming, man. Um, it's actually kind of full circle for me because uh, last time I was here, oh, yeah. like that. There we go. Okay. Last time I was here, I was doing my step five with you. <coughs> so, oh, okay. That's why you look familiar. Yeah. So it. Uh, you know, last time I was here, I was a broken, scared man. Yeah. You know. So. Wow, I can't remember it either. Yeah. I love that about my about this this whole process. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I think about that day almost every day, you know. And now mm-hmm. that I, uh, you know, I'm working in a treatment center myself, right? I mm-hmm. when it comes up for the guys to do their step fives, I'm always like, "Oh, go see David, mm-hmm. go see," right? Because well, it was that. it was super rewarding for me, mm-hmm. you know. So it's an honor for me. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, yeah everything you do is is awesome. So. But yeah, so I guess um, growing up, like when I was young, young, um, it wasn't too bad. Like my mom, I was originally from Brooks and uh, my mom and dad split, I think when I was two or something. So mm-hmm. my mom, her best friend and I moved to Medicine Hat. And uh, for the most part, it was pretty normal. Um, my mom tells me stories about how uh, there was a couch we had in the basement that had a hole in the back of it. She'd find like food stuffed in there, like half-eaten potatoes and shit like that. Um, but <clears throat> so uh, she ended up meeting my sister's dad, and that's who I grew up uh, with a father figure. Right? He's the one I called dad all the time. And uh, so life was, you know, fairly normal. And then um, and then they split up. Mm. And uh, all of a sudden, he wasn't around anymore. Um, and she met this new boyfriend and at the beginning he was pretty cool. I remember the first night he spent the night, he was diabetic and they didn't have those fancy pens. He Mm -hmm. was still using the orange tip needles. So he had his little pouch sitting on our kitchen table and my sister and I woke up the one morning. We seen it. So we're kids, we snooped Mm -hmm. and I'm not even sure how it registered, but I, when I seen it, I thought it was drugs. Mm -hmm. So I, when my mom woke up, I was like, mom, you know, Trevor's a drug addict. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, look at this. And that's when I found out about diabetes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so for the longest time, things were good. 
you know, with him anyways. And, um, you know, every once in a while, my sister and I would get to go see our dad, go hang out with him and stuff like that. Um, and then one day things just changed with Trevor and, uh, he just snapped. And all of a sudden, um, I was talking about my dad and he got real mad. He's like, you got to stop calling him dad. And I was like, why? You know, I'm like eight or nine at the time. I said, why? He's like, he's not your dad. And I'm like, but, but he is. And then that's when things seriously changed. I wasn't allowed to go see him anymore. You know, stuff like that because it was my sister's dad. <clears throat> so, um, and then that's right about the time. Yeah, I was, so I was about eight or nine. And uh, I did something to get in trouble. And my mom spanked me. And I tried my hardest not to laugh at her. Mm-hmm. And then she said something like, your attitude better hit the road, Jack. Or so, I don't know. But I ended up mm-hmm. laughing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she started crying or whatever. And then that's when everything really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, now Trevor became the disciplinary. And uh, he used to just beat the fuck right out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, like, it, like, it was bad. We lived in chicken coops, which are townhouses. Mm-hmm. My, ba- or my bedroom was down in the basement. So it was uh, wooden stairs that were pretty much at like a, almost at a 90 degree angle. Mm-hmm. And the type of shit, like I'd be sitting on the couch, it'd be five minutes before my bedtime. And all of a sudden he'd just rip me off the couch because he just noticed that I didn't make my bed that morning. Mm-hmm. So five minutes before I'm going to bed, he's ripping me off the couch by my collar and throw, like, threw me down the stairs mm-hmm. to go make my bed. Even though I'm about to go to bed, stuff like that, right? Um, you know, the one time... Got into a fight with my little sister, and I pushed her. So he got home from work, and my mom waited for him to, you know, get in the house and settle in, and she let him know what happened. And uh, he put his steel toe boots back on just to beat the shit out of me. So, <clears throat> you know, it was it was it was pretty rough that way. Um, and uh, so fast forward to, you know, 12, 13 years old. Um, well, first, now we'll back forward a little bit here. So for grade six, um, I kind of hit puberty pretty early and I was always a bigger kid. So I was getting picked on quite a bit in elementary. And then, um, like the one memory that sticks out the most is, uh, you used to play that game heads up, seven up, right? Where you put your head down, you put your thumb up and then your classmates go around, touch your thumb. You got to guess who, who, um, people wouldn't pick me because nobody wanted to sit in my seat because I never wore jeans or anything, just right as big kids, so I was always wearing sweatpants and stuff. But when you sit on a plastic chair, right, you get that condensation sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So they would all make fun of me because if I had okay, pissed his mm-hmm. pants, or you know, but it wasn't, right? Yeah. So nobody would pick me because nobody wanted to have to sit in my chair, right? So stuff like that. So I moved to Brooks to go live with my biological dad. Um, and that only lasted for a few months because I had come back to Medicine Hat to visit and my mom and Trevor convinced me to come back home. And uh, so when I told my dad, he was just like, oh, okay. And, you know, he was just respecting my wishes. But at the time, I was like, well, he doesn't want me. You know, like, why why didn't he try to convince me to stick around? You know, he was just like, oh, okay, that's, you know, now as an adult, I realized he was just respecting my wishes. But so when they drove me back to Brooks to go pick up my belongings, um, my room had already been turned into a nursery for my little brother that was on his way. And that was only within a matter of a couple of days. 
So it's really drove home the fact that he didn't want me. You know, like how could you pack up all of my things and completely turn my bedroom into a nursery within a matter of, you know, a couple days, right? So <clears throat> I held a lot of resentment towards him and, you know, I was like, well, he doesn't want me and, you know, everything that was told to me growing up must have been true. Um, so in uh, 2005, he ended up getting into an accident just outside of the year Canada district. Um, was thrown from his truck and, and died on impact. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I remember being told this by my mom the next day or whatever. And I found, so he died August 3rd, 2005. Trevor's birthday is August 4th. So I got told on August 4th. And when my mom told me, all I remember saying is, oh, what are we doing for Trevor's birthday? Mm. You know, she thought that was weird. You know, and as much as I hated Trevor, it, he was the one that I wanted. I didn't want to see my mom. I was like, well, where's Trevor? Like, he stayed away and let my mom tell me or whatever. And, uh, you know, so my mom thought that was a little weird. <clears throat> but I didn't necessarily know my dad. Like, I did, but I didn't, right? So I'm not sure if it was a combination of not knowing or not fully understanding what was just said to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Not comprehending what death is yet. And... uh <clears throat> so that's, you know, and I just kind of went about that and I would, he used to drive a Ford F-350, super duty, and I would see the same truck driving around the city mm -hmm. and I'd be like, oh, there's my dad's truck. And my mom thought it was weird. So she tried to put me in counseling, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> and that just, that didn't work out. I didn't care. Um, and then, yeah. And so I kind of just coasted like that being bullied, um, and then I got into junior high and I got into my first real fight and mm -hmm. I realized, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. So I became a bully, right? Mm -hmm. Because now I'm, you know, like I'm a bigger guy and, <clears throat> you know, so I was, of course, just taking out my pent up anger. And uh, there was this one kid, um, he just lost his dad pretty much right around the same time I did. Mm -hmm. Um and he was also living with a pretty shitty stepdad. So I used to I used to pick on him and pick on him and pick on him. And then the one day um, when everything kind of came to a head, I was like, hey, Zach, uh, Greg's your dad. Just something like that because he hated Greg. And he's like, your mom's your dad. And I was like, oh, fight's on. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, back in junior high, like nobody really knows how fights go. So all of a sudden they're like, oh, Cade's bleeding, fight's over. And I'm like, he never even hit. Like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, he had actually stabbed me three times with a set of keys, and I didn't mm -hmm. even realize like he because he had one of those bungee things mm -hmm. with keys, put it in my hand and or put it in his hand, and he just started hacking. I didn't realize, mm -hmm. but yeah, he ended up stabbing me a few times. Luckily, it was just keys and not mm -hmm. an actual knife. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. <clears throat> um, so obviously, I got suspended and whatnot, and then my punishment at home was I got the shit kicked out of me. But I also was made to get a job because at this time I was like 13, 12 or 13. So I was a dishwasher working with my mom and Trevor at the restaurant that they were working at. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wasn't getting good grades or anything. Like I hated school. I just hated it. I was going through the motions. My teachers were excited to get me out of their classes, you know. Um, like I was so disruptive. The one time I came to class, there was a desk sitting outside of the classroom 
with this weird looking speaker thing on it, didn't think anything of it, walked into class and realized my desk wasn't where it was. And my teacher's like, Cade, you're sitting out in the hallway today. And what that little speaker was, was the listening end of a baby monitor. So I could hear, but I couldn't say anything. And I was like, fuck this, <laughs> you know? Um, <clears throat> so I just went through the motions. I'm pretty sure all my teachers just pushed me through their classes just, mm -hmm. just to get me out. And then I get to high school and uh, they put me in um, like this the program or whatever that's just above the special, special education. And I actually did really good that year. Like all my grades were really high. Um, granted, all my teachers were fresh out of school, so mm -hmm. they were nice and young and they were looking good. So, so I paid attention, but I had really good grades for the ninth grade for the first time ever in my life, mm -hmm. you know. And then, um, so during all this, me and my little sister, we didn't get along growing up. Like we were like oil and water, man. Like it was, so... <clears throat> I'm going, it's the summer of me going into grade 10 and the summer of my sister going into grade nine. And uh, at this point, I'm already smoking weed, right? So I'm sitting out front one night um, smoking a joint and my sister and her friend catch me. She's oh, well, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, oh, I'm smoking weed, whatever, right? So I convinced them to try it, hmm. right? And then my, my sister liked it, but her friend didn't, right? So Haley's like, well, can I have some more? And I'm like, well, only if Renee does, you know? So we peer pressured her into having, right? And then, so Haley came into my high school for grade nine. <clears throat> and um, she's also a bigger girl. And she was dealing with bullies really bad. Um, she, you know, she was contemplating suicide. She um, didn't ever, always had an excuse not to go to school. Mm -hmm. So they get to high school and I find out, now I find out about this. Right? And then I also find out that the kid that was bullying her is also in my school. So <clears throat> I keep trying to find him and find him and find him. He's doing pretty good at evading me and whatnot. Um, and then one day I finally find him and, and, I, and I beat him and I beat him and I beat him and I beat him. And kind of ever since that day, me and my sister became best friends, mm -hmm. right? Because now we were able to bond over something, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, so she assimilated into my friend group and whatnot. Um, you know, and then I kind of shifted from being a bully to almost in a sense being a bullied vigilante, right? Like mm -hmm. it was, uh, people are getting bullied and they come talk to me about it, right? And so I didn't stand for that because after, after Zach, it just kind of really opened my eyes, right? Like mm -hmm. it, that, that could have been bad, you know, it, it really could have. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> and at this point I'm working full time. My grades are shit. I'm not going to, I'm literally going to school to collect people that want to skip school, you know? And so we're just getting high all the time. And I figured I had the system beat because I was always told you got to go to school and get a job. Mm. Well, at this point, I'm already working full time, right? I'm like, I, I got it beat. I don't need an education. I don't need this. You know, I'm smoking weed. I'm partying all the time, you know? <clears throat> and, uh, me and uh, Trevor, he, I can't remember what happened, but he had me pinned to my bed by my throat and I had finally had enough because at this point I'm, I'm like, I'm bigger than him now. And he had me pinned to my bed by my throat and I, and I wedged him off me and I went to go swing at him, you know, and my mom stopped it and was like, no, don't do that. And that really hurt because 
all these years, you know, she would sit there and let the beatings happen, you know, and then when I finally go to retaliate, she stopped it. And I was like, why are you protecting him? Mm. You know, so I had a lot of hate for my mom, like a lot of hate. And um, so I moved out, you know, I, I moved in with her best friend, my auntie Nancy, right? And my auntie Nancy was like a second mom. She was, she was pretty much my best friend. Like it was, we were tight. So um, I was kind of living with her, bouncing between her and the streets and her and the streets because she is bipolar. And um, at the time, I didn't know anything about that. So it would just all of a sudden, she would just blow up on me one day and kick me out, mm -hmm. right? So, but eventually I learned that, oh, it's just, it's bipolar. And she kicked me out, KLC in a week, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so I was working full time and partying and partying and partying. And I was a... Um, I wanted to be a cook. Like I wanted, that was my very first dream was I wanted to be a chef. Because from a very young age, I used to hang out with my grandma. In the summers, I'd go to their farm in Rolling Hills and spend the whole summer out on the farm. You know, and the one time um, for Thanksgiving, I think it was, I was the one that cooked the whole, the whole turkey dinner. I was like nine or ten. You know, so I wanted to be a cook. So working in a restaurant doing dishes, I kept bugging the cooks. I'm like, well, let me cook, let me cook. And they wouldn't. And then finally, as a kind of like a fuck you to me uh, during a lunch rush, they're like, well, you, you think you can cook? And they threw me on the grill and I banged out the lunch rush. So he told me that it was just beginner's luck, that they weren't that busy. They weren't, you know, <clears throat> so they did it again for supper time. And same thing. I banged out. It was really good. Um... So then I came in for my morning shift for dishes and the main cook was talking to me about it. said, oh, I heard you were doing some cooking and stuff. Do you want to try breakfast? I was like, sure. So I started doing some breakfast and that was the last day that I ever did dishes. They're like, okay, well, you want to cook? And, and I loved it. Like mm -hmm. I was, I was in my element, you know? Um, so I'm still kind of on the streets with, you know, back and forth with my auntie and, you know, mainly smoking weed and drinking a lot. Um, and then uh, I got introduced to abusing my ADD medication, mm -hmm. right? So that kind of really opened up the door for the harder stuff. <clears throat> so I was abusing my uh, ADD meds and really liked the feeling, obviously. And um, I ended up finding... A landlord who signed a lease for me, even though I was under the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And um, they ended up on my amends list. And that's an amends that I'm still struggling to make because I I just simply can't find them. I don't mm -hmm. know where they are. But they had just bought this little building in Medicine Hat. It was just like a little triplex. And it was their first crack at being a landlord. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so they let me move in there. Um and I just trashed the place, right? I'm just a kid, you know? I had no idea what I was doing. I just destroyed the place. And they ended up just selling it after I moved out, right? And mm -hmm. as from what I understood, they didn't bother buying another property, and that was enough. Like, it just ruined everything for them. Mm -hmm. um, so right around that time, uh, my mom bought a restaurant in Medicine Hat called Nifty Fifties. Okay. And... Um, so I was working there, um, and then uh, as a cook and whatnot, and, and things were good. You know what I mean. And uh, 
I, you know, I was out of the house and stuff. And right around this same time <clears throat> that all this happened, my mom and Trevor had split up, right? And it was, she had finally had enough. And uh, we later found out it was actually because Trevor had a lot, a lot going on. He had a lot of mental health issues, mm -hmm. a lot of physical health issues. Um, you know, him growing up, you know, the way he's seen, the way he grew up, he was, you know, he basically made me relive his childhood type thing, mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know, that's kind of when I got the first inclination of generational trauma, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, so once he finally got everything figured out and got set up with his medication properly and whatnot, he actually became a guy that I liked, mm -hmm. you know, um, but him and my mom were split up and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> and right around the same time, my mom and I kind of started to repair our relationship, you know, like she recognized, you know, what she did and whatnot. And, you know, she was trying to make amends and stuff, but at the same time I was just still a kid and I didn't care. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm 18 years old now. I just moved out of that place. Um, and back on the streets living with Nancy, um, and I talked to Trevor, and he's like, well, I'm moving into a two-bedroom apartment. You're, you, if you want, you can come live with me, right? And I was like, okay, yeah, that's awesome. You know, everybody's, everybody thought it was weird that I wanted to, but it was, as much as I hated him, it was weird. I still had a mad amount of love for him. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, that had always, and even to this day, still confuses me, you know, as, because, like, I did, I had so much hate for him. Right. But it, at the same time, I would have taken a bullet for the guy and I have no idea why, mm. you know, <clears throat> but um, so I moved in with him for a while. And at this point, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing coke, you know, I'm selling it a little bit. I'm, you know, it's it's it's. And uh, I decide to move to Brooks because um, there was a, a restaurant in Brooks called Gus's. And my one auntie worked there, <clears throat> and she had said, you know, if you ever need a job, we're always looking for people and stuff. So I was like, well, hey, why not? Let's let's move there, you know. So I moved up there and was working there, and that's when um, the drugs really, really took off. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, I knew a couple people in Brooks because, like, that's where my dad's side of the family is. So I was always up there quite a bit, you know, mm -hmm. visiting my little brothers and stuff like that. And... Uh, so I knew a few people, got introduced to a few more people, and um, got into the coke really, really, really bad, um, to the point that I was uh, um, like stealing money from from work and whatnot, mm -hmm. right? Like it, um, it was a pizzeria slash pub, so I was stealing the money from like the pizza orders and stuff like mm -hmm. that, right? And um, and my boss was kind of catching on, but I don't think it was sinking in what was happening. Like, he just kept saying, oh, the register's a little, mm. you know, it's a little messed up. And, you know, I thought I was covering my tracks because I wouldn't. What would happen is when um, somebody would order a pizza for delivery, the delivery guy would come in and he would pay for the pizza and then get the money back from the people. So I would just not stab the ticket. Mm. I would just take that money, mm. right? And... uh so he was kind of picking up on that, you know, but, um, so I had some money saved up weirdly enough, but I had money saved up and whatnot. Um, partying every night I'd get off work. We get a free drink after work. Um, at night the waitresses would come to the back and, you know, they'd be like, okay, then you know, I'll give you a drink. If you do this for me, I'll give you a drink. If you do that for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would, but before I was even done my shift, I was already half cut. 
get off work, go for my free drink, have that, maybe buy a couple more, and then go to a party. And it was it was bad. Like it, I spent more time high and drunk than than anything. I'd show up to work hungover, still drunk, you know. Um, so that lasted about a year, a year ish. Um, I came back to Medicine Hat for my nineteenth birthday and was partying and stuff and uh, staying with my auntie Nancy again. And uh, I had actually stopped at nifties to say goodbye to my mom the day i was going to go back to brooks Mm. and uh when i went in there um she was sitting at a booth with a with a woman and so i just you know hung around whatever and then she got up and left so i said well who's that and she's like well that's my new waitress and i'm like oh really and she's like yeah and then she went ha ha she's too old for you because i had a my mom hired a lot of young waitresses Mm -hmm. and so i would always sleep with them right she had a high waitress turnover it wasn't because she was a shitty boss it was because i was a shitty son <laughs> right <laughs> like i would you know like i we would just figured it out <laughs> yeah so i would you know like i would sleep with all of her waitresses mm-hmm. and stuff and then obviously they'd be heartbroken and they'd quit and so she was like haha she's too old for you because she's 10 years older than me so i was like challenge accepted mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I went outside for a smoke. She was still busy doing something. And I called the cook that was supposed to work that night. I said, call in sick. And he's like, why? I said, just call in sick for me, please. He's like, well, I need the money. I said, I'll pay you mm-hmm. for the day. Call in sick. So he did. So I'm sitting outside smoking. And my mom come outside. And she always does this thing when she wants to talk to me or ask me something. She just kind of mouses around it, pussyfoots around mm-hmm. it. And so we had a conversation. You know, I work today. I, you know, um, and Josh just called in sick. Do you have to go back to Brooks today? I said, no, I don't. Like it's, I said, I got the rest of the weekend, you know, I'm good. She's like, will you work tonight? I'll pay you. And I'm like, sure. You know, I said, who's the waitress? And she said, Crystal, the new girl. I'm like, bet. So I get to work. Crystal gets to work. And I pretty much safe to say I fell in love right away. Like she, she was just gorgeous. And, um, yeah, like it just, <clears throat> um, so hold on, I'm getting a little emotional and I don't know why, um, hey, man, she, uh, she, yeah, she was just, and I couldn't, I couldn't work her like I did the rest of them. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't, she's 30, she's 10 years older than me. So I did, so I'm 19. So at the time she's almost 30. Mm-hmm. You know, so she isn't just some young little girl that's smitten by me, you know. Mm. And um, so it took a while. So I ended up staying in Medicine Hat. I just left everything in Brooks. I mm. I quit my job. I screwed over my roommate. I, you know, all in the pursuit of just being able to sleep with her to prove my mother wrong, mm. right? Like, because, and uh, so fast forward a couple months and Crystal and I are getting closer and closer. Like I always made sure that we were always working the same shifts. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting closer and closer. And at the time, Crystal had a boyfriend. Um, and so my angle was when women would come in and they would talk about their boyfriends, you know, something like a little minuscule fight. I was able to spin that little fight into something huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and be, oh, I would never do that. That's, I can't even believe he's doing, you know. So I just plant that seed and mm-hmm. just water it and water it and water it, right? And then when shit hit the fan, swoop in and, mm-hmm. you know, here's the shoulder to cry on. I got you. 
And uh, <clears throat> so she was kind of going through something like that. He was, uh, him and his friends were constantly partying. He'd come home beat up all the time or, you know. Um, so when it finally happened that we got together, we used to, um, my mom had a routine. She would come down, her, uh, her new husband and his daughter uh, would come down to the restaurant for supper. And then they would go for a drive through downtown Medicine Hat, and then they would drive past the restaurant. And as soon as I seen her drive past the restaurant, I knew she was going home. So Crystal and I would close it. If nobody was in there, which usually there wasn't, because at this point, Nifty's, Nifty's was bumping during the day because that's when my mom had like the stable stuff. Like mm -hmm. that was like my older sister, Mandy, um, you know, and Natalie and, and whatnot, like legitimate women that wanted to work mm -hmm. and the cook and stuff. So it was known for breakfast and Nifty's was starting to gain the reputation that it was just a drug front, mm -hmm. right? Because I was selling dope out the back and whatnot. Um, so there wasn't really like, from two o'clock until nine o'clock when we were supposed to close, I'd be lucky if I cooked six meals. Mm. So as soon as I'd see my mom drive past, that was it. We would lock, um, close the restaurant and I would drive to the liquor store down the road, pick up a two, six, come back. Crystal and I would, you know, be closing the restaurant, getting drunk, fooling around in the back and whatnot, go to the bar. She'd go home and I just continue doing my thing. Mm. Um, so her boyfriend started to get suspicious because I'd send her messages all the time, you know, good morning, beautiful stuff like that. Right. So he started getting suspicious and, uh, finally she just said, okay, I had enough, like, like we're done. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, so we went to the bar that night and she went home and he had went and moved all of his stuff out, but at the same time trashed her condo, like ripped cupboards off the door, smashed mirrors, everything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was bad, but that night I was so hammered. I called her and I'm like, I, I told her, I'm like, I love you. You know, she's like, no, you don't. You're drunk. I'm like, no, I love you. You know? Um, <clears throat> so yeah. And then a relationship pretty much just, you know, flourished after that. Um, we ended up moving in together. She, um, a friend of hers went to jail and he was worried about losing his place. So she moved into his place to make sure that it would be okay, got it cleaned up and whatnot. Um, so I moved in with her there. Um, became friends with this guy when he got out of jail, um, you know, and actually started working for him, selling dope and whatnot. Um, and then uh, Crystal and I got into a fight and we were breaking up. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to move out. He's like, well, why? I said, well, Crystal and I are breaking up. And he's like, oh, who pays the rent? I'm like, well, at the time I did, right? And he's like, so why are you moving out, mm -hmm. right? Like you pay the rent. Why are you leaving? I'm like, oh yeah, fair enough. So she moved out and you know, which kind of really fucked her. Um, but she moved in with one of her friends and that kind of started Crystal and I's on and off relationship, right? Like it, uh, so at this time I'm starting to pick up police attention, right? Because he, he was, um, he's a biker and whatnot. Right. So now they have pictures of me leaving clubhouses and living with him. And so mm -hmm. they were trying to jam me up all the time, you know, trying to get me to flip and stuff. And I just, I wouldn't. Um, and the one cop <coughs> told me that if I didn't rat him out, that he was going to make my life a living hell. Right. And I was like, I don't care. Like that. Mm -hmm. What you could do to me is nothing 
is what they will do to me if they find out that I'm snitching. Right? And then it just kind of, uh, <clears throat> he ended up moving out of Medicine Hut. So it just kind of plateaued and everything was fine. And uh, Crystal and I are, you know, on again, off again, partying all the time in the bars and doing every drug under the sun. Um, and she, uh, um, so yeah, she's living with like her best friend and I'm bouncing between there and Nancy's and, and whatnot. And, uh, 20 in 2012, my, uh, my auntie Nancy attempted suicide. Um, and we got her to the hospital and then she was in a drug induced coma. And then one day I get a phone call from my mom telling me that Nancy had died. Hmm. Um, which really sent me into a tailspin mm. because I was like, like, like I said, she was pretty much my best friend, mm. and um, and that and that was really hard, and okay. it wasn't until um, a couple years later that I found out that she had died due to hospital error. Mm. They wanted to bring her out of the coma because they're the ones that put her into the drug-induced coma. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, and uh, they brought her out too quick, and she ended up dying because of it. Um, so yeah, that was, that was hard. And then that's okay. when, that's when things really, really, really took off. Um, um, my, like I was already partying every day. Now I was partying all day. Hmm. You know, I was doing drugs all the time. I was doing anything and everything to get it. Um, I don't think I had a sober moment at all. Um, so <clears throat> 2013, Crystal and I are living in a part of town that's called the Flats. So it's kind of like just down in the, like, it's flat. That's why they call it the Flats, Um, which is right by the South Saskatchewan River. Um, And she's working. I'm not. I'm just a fucking loser sitting at home getting drunk all the time. And uh, that's when uh, that big flood happened, that flood in 2013. Mm -hmm. Yep. this is how fucked up we were. We went and bought a big 16 foot by five foot deep pool mm-hmm. and we were filling it up during a water ban. I didn't even know there was a water ban. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're in the backyard filling up, swimming around, drunk as shit. And all of a sudden there's cops and city workers in my backyard and they're like, you guys need to go. And I'm like, no, we don't. We live here. You know, he's like, no, you need to go. Like, you, why are you guys still here? I'm like, because I live here. Like, I didn't understand that morning they had announced that there was a mandatory evacuation for that area right and i didn't know i was too busy filling up my pool again hammered um so yeah so we left um so a medicine for what they did medicine hat was anybody that was mandatory evacuated they put up in hotels Mm -hmm. right so we went to the hotel and um then the red cross or whatever it was gave everybody i think it was each individual fifteen hundred dollars or something like that Mm -hmm. to be able to you know, buy food and whatnot. And mm-hmm. We took that money and blew it all, all away on drugs, mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol and whatnot. Um, so we stayed in the hotel as long as we could. And then we got kicked out. Um, <clears throat> and at this time, Crystal is pregnant um, with my first daughter. Um, so we go and live with my grandma for a while. Um, oh, I skipped over a part. I ended up, getting arrested because I got hammered and at the time she was working at a gas station. So I stole her keys and the alarm code for the gas station. And I broke in twice in the same night trying to find a safe to steal money or or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I got picked up for that. And, um, 
and then while waiting trial and whatnot, I, got, I ended up racking up a few breaches. So I ended up getting house arrest for that, um, uh, for those charges. So my grandparents at the time were living in a, a gated community. So she tried to get permission from the board to allow us to go stay with her after the flood and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they had said Crystal could stay, but I couldn't, right? Because um, my grandma had said, you know, she lied about what, what my charges were. She just said, oh, he got a DUI has house arrest, so there'll be, you know, odd odd time the cops might stop by to, you know, Mm -hmm. just giving them a heads up. But because of that, they're like, no, he can't stay there. Mm -hmm. But I did anyways. Um, So my grandma and grandpa, um, they actually, we were trying to find places and whatnot. And, you know, I was working overnights at Walmart, um, so I didn't really have, like, the best income. Crystal wasn't working um, because she's pregnant and stuff like that. So my grandparents offered to buy us a house. Um, You know, she's like, maybe you could find a trailer or something like that. And uh, so we found a trailer for like $15,000. And it was just this rundown piece of shit. But it was going to be ours and we loved it. Mm -hmm. So they bought it for us. We moved in there. Um, And things kind of calmed down a little bit I was still partying but I wasn't partying every day I wasn't you know I I reserved it for the weekends I was still smoking weed every day faithfully you know like that was and uh working overnights at Walmart you know things were going good um and then November of 2013 my daughter Ava was born and and that was amazing um you know so Crystal kind of went back to work for for a little bit um so we're you know things are things are fairly normal and um then she gets pregnant again pretty much right away uh so she has a son from her previous marriage uh and he was an emergency c-section so when she was pregnant with ava the doctor gave her the option of a natural birth or a c-section and she opted for the Mm -hmm. c-section when we went to the hospital to get the doctor confirmed um pregnancy test the doctor went turned white as a ghost and he's like like what are you doing you Mm -hmm. know what I mean and uh when he came back in into the room I could tell that he was nervous and he was and he was worried and he was scared and he's sitting there and his wheels are spinning and and then finally he just lets out a sigh and he's like it'll be okay and I'm like what you know, and what he was so worried about was because of her C-section and whatnot, he was worried that she wasn't going to be healed enough mm-hmm. for him to safely do. And if she were to try to do a natural birth, that it could kill her. Mm-hmm. So he thought he was going to have to come in and tell us that we were going to have to terminate. Mm-hmm. But the timeline worked out where she was just, just going to be healed enough for it to be a safe procedure. Mm-hmm. So thankfully for that. Um, he's, but he did say, while I'm in there, he said, I'm going to tie you up. He mm-hmm. said, because the next one, like, I can't cut you open again. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to November of 2014, and Matea is born. Um, so during that time, I was working at Walmart, and I was working towards, um, they had um, a support, a support assistant manager or something. So they had the assistant manager, and then like a support, and there was a position for that open. Mm-hmm. And at work, uh, me and my friend, uh, we were considered the dream team. Like we would, go, so we were just stocking shelves overnight. So we'd have our department that we would do. We go in there, we bang that out, and for the rest of the night, we go around the whole store helping everybody else mm-hmm. out, right? So 
I thought I was a shoe in for this position. And I got passed over because the assistant manager was friends with the guy that they hired for that position. And I was like, fuck this. You know, like, that's bullshit. And I was hurt. So I just quit. And I took my friend with me. He's like, yeah, fuck that. We're done. Um, and there's a place in Medicine Hat that's uh, called Moduline. And they build um, manufactured homes. Mm. Okay. So they hire anybody and everybody. Like, they're, they have a huge turnover. So we got a job right away. Um, I wanted to be a drywaller cause I had some drywall experience and whatnot. Um, but they ended up putting me in molding, which is the baseboards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. So, and plus my, ma- uh, my foreman was a piece of shit. Like he was, just, he was a drill sergeant. He mm-hmm. didn't give a shit. And so it just wasn't a good situation. Um, so I quit that as well. Um, and then was just kind of coasting, looking for jobs. Um, and then I got a job as a head breakfast chef at the Medicine Hat Lodge and was working there for a while. Um, and then Matea was born, my youngest. Um, and then we realized that the place that we were living in wasn't that, it, it just wasn't up to par. You know, you got two, two babies now, you know what I mean? It's kind of run down, it's old, it's rickety. Um, so we talked to my grandma and she had said that she would, there was another trailer for sale in the trailer park we were living in. So we had talked to her and she agreed and she bought that one for us. Mm-hmm. So it was, this one was built in 91. Um, it was completely renovated like a few years before we bought it. So it was basically brand new. Mm-hmm. And like, as soon as we walked in there, Crystal started crying, you know, and it was gorgeous. You know, it was a double wide three bedroom. The master bedroom had the big jetted tub mm-hmm. and huge walk-in closet. And it was great. Hardwood floors throughout brand new appliances. It was nice. Um, but after Matea was born, because Crystal had pretty much been pregnant for almost two years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, my girls are a year and six days apart, right? Like, as soon as she could get pregnant, I got her pregnant again, right? So she was dealing with postpartum really bad, mm-hmm. right? So our partying kind of kicked it up quite a bit. Uh, back into the blow again, mm-hmm. back into the, you know. Um, but our kids were always taken care of and stuff like that. And then um, Crystal started being weird you know like I would wake up at you know three o'clock in the morning she'd be doing her makeup getting ready to leave and I'm like like where are you going well I'm going to see Shauna who is her best friend Mm. right I'm like why are you doing your makeup and shit to go see Shauna at three o'clock so I thought she was cheating on me so this kind of went on for a while you know I tried to talk to her about it she just wouldn't talk to me she wouldn't Mm. um Crystal was always a bather. It didn't matter if she had, if she was running late, it didn't, if she needed to clean, she was always in a bath. Mm-hmm. And then one day she's like, oh, I'm going to go have a shower. And I'm like, that was weird. So she's in the shower and I pick the lock and walk in there and rip the shower curtain to see her roll in a bubble. Right? She's smoking meth. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I flipped. I grabbed the I grabbed the drugs. I grabbed her pipe, smashed it in the toilet, flushed it, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, why? You know?" She's like, "Fuck you, whatever." We got into a huge fight. Before that moment, I had thought that she was cheating on me. Um, I tried to talk to her about it. She wouldn't talk. You know, I was at the point of, "Okay, I'm trying to figure out an exit plan. Like, how am I gonna?" You know. Mm-hmm. So while all this is happening, I'm you know entertaining a woman at work. Right. And, uh, it never made it. We never, I never sexually cheated on Crystal, but I definitely, like I went out with her a few times, you know what I mean? Like, Mm. um, was texting and stuff like that. And Crystal found out about it. 
And um, so being on meth, she was super paranoid about it. And um, the one day I got home from work and she was getting ready to leave. And I don't know what made me, we had gotten into a fight about Janessa and stuff like that the night before and then all day while I was at work and whatnot. So when I got home, she was still pissed off and, you know, and for whatever reason, I had noticed that my axe was missing. So just before she hopped in the truck, I went and looked in her truck and sure as shit, she had the axe in the back seat, but she was going to go see Janessa. And I'm like, you're fucking, you're, you're psycho. Like you're mm -hmm. psycho. So, you know, I kept trying to get her to quit, trying to get her to quit, trying to get it. And she just, and she wouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. She was addicted to it. So finally I had had enough. And I was like, well, if you can't, you know, I thought in my mind, I'm like, if she loves me enough, you know, maybe if she sees me doing it, mm -hmm. she, she will stop. Um, I had tried it once before, you know, and, and I liked it 350 pounds and I ran a whole acre without stopping. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it was, it was a Superman drug, right? So I thought if she sees me doing it, then maybe she'll stop. So I go to grab the pipe out of her hand and she's like, oh no, oh no, oh don't, oh don't. And I, and I got high, right? And I was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. So was she. She's like, oh nice. Now I don't have to hide it. Now mm -hmm. it's not going to be a fight. And that's when shit got really, really bad. Mm -hmm. So for about a year, I was able to hide it from my family. My family knew there was something up with Crystal. But I kept trying to say she's not pregnant anymore. She's back down to her normal. And my mom's like, you keep forgetting that I knew her before the pregnancy. She's like, she's smaller than she was before. I'm like, no, she's not. You know, so they had their suspicions about her. Mm -hmm. But we were going good. Um, and then uh, Child Protective Services got involved. Um, but they never took the kids from us because we told them that we were never high at the same time. You know, they came into the house, my kids' rooms, they had their own rooms. You know, we had always had food in the cupboards and so like my kids were taken care of, right? So they had no concern to take the kids, but they stayed involved in our lives to help us out with some stuff, right? And um, for the longest time, we had them convinced that we weren't getting high together. Mm -hmm. And that went on for, for almost a year. And um, we were falling behind in bills and whatnot. Um, we owned the trailer, but we didn't own the land. Mm -hmm. So we fell behind in our lot rent. Um, and they were taking us to court and whatnot. Um, we missed a court date, and that was like the decision. And the courts granted them the, pos or the ability to lock our doors and kick us out of our trailer. So they ended up seizing our trailer and mm -hmm. kicking us out on the street. So while this was happening, CFS is like, well, what's going to happen with the kids? Is there somewhere that they could go? Right. So we sent them because Crystal's from the island, Courtney, BC. Mm -hmm. So we originally sent the girls to BC um, because CFS said, you know, in BC, they're really well equipped for treatment centers, especially when mm -hmm. it comes to meth addiction. Right. So that was our plan was they went out to BC. We finished everything, got our stuff packed up, put it in the storage. Um, and we were going to go to BC and, you know, go get sober. So the kids were living with her mom um, and her mom's a bit of a hoarder. So her house isn't the best. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's falling apart and whatnot. Um, as soon as we got out there, like Alberta said that they would be 
in control when it came to the kids, mm-hmm. that BC's ministry would just be assisting, but at the end of the day, it would be Alberta. We got out there, that wasn't the case mm-hmm. at all. Um, so when we were going, driving out there, um, it took us what should have been 24 hours, took us two weeks because we were constantly stopping everywhere, picking mm-hmm. up drugs, getting high, having a terror, whatever. Um, and we get out there and we went to go see the kids and Crystal's mom called and said, you guys aren't allowed to go see the kids. And we're like, excuse me. Like, she's like, that's what BC said. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to go see the kids until you talk to them. Um, so we get there, uh, the next day we go and talk to them and she's, and they're like, well, you guys aren't allowed to see the kids until you're sober and this Mm -hmm. and that. And which fair enough. Okay. But in our deluded minds, we're like, you guys are fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to stop us from seeing our kids. And uh, so over a series of meetings, we find out um, the worker was saying something along the lines of possible apprehension because of the uh, because of Bonnie's house, mm-hmm. right? Um, so as soon as we heard that, we called Crystal's mom and we're like, they're talking about apprehension. Like, they're going to come and take those kids. On the drop of a dime, Bonnie calls her one of her friends uh, who has a more roadworthy vehicle, takes that vehicle, drives to Nanaimo, and spends the night in Nanaimo. The next day, um, Crystal gets pulled over driving, in, um, and she didn't have a license, so she gets pulled over driving in BC, and they impound our truck. Um, and... Uh, Crystal went to the RCMP station to be like, why? Like, why did this? And the, the, the RCMP station was like, I don't understand. They thought she was lying about where she got pulled over because mm-hmm. the cop that pulled her over was supposed to be out on the highways. Mm-hmm. But he, she got pulled over in the middle of like downtown Courtney. Mm-hmm. So they thought, you know, you're just bullshit, whatever, right? Um, but they had only impounded the truck for a week. And when we finally got the truck back, it legitimately said on the tow slip, hold for police reasoning. Like they had, like the tow truck driver didn't even know why they were. Mm. But during this time, they, uh, CFS had showed up at Bonnie's house because they were going to apprehend the kids. Mm. But Bonnie was already bringing them back to Alberta. Um, so, because the plan was she would fuck off, come to back to Alberta. We would stick around in BC because obviously if we're in BC, then our kids are, you know, so it allowed her to get into Alberta. And, uh, so we went in for a meeting and she's like, well, where's the kids? You know, and we're like, oh, they're already back in Alberta. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, they went back to Alberta. And she's like, oh, okay. So they called Alberta. So at the same time <clears throat> that BC found out that they were actually back in Alberta, my mom and my grandma and my daughters were down at the CFS building in Medicine Hat. So everybody all found out at the exact same time. Um, and yeah, so then it just, that kind of ended it with, uh, with BC. But by the time Crystal and I got back to Alberta, which took another couple weeks because we we're back on another terror, mm-hmm. um, they were living with my grandma and that's when CFS kind of really put their foot down and they're like, okay, now here's some ground rules. Mm-hmm. You guys aren't allowed to be here while you're high <coughs> um, at all. Mm-hmm. You guys need to be, you know, doing this, this, and this, and this. Which really sent us into his tailspin because now I can't live at my grandma's house. I can't be with my kids, you know. Um, so we just went on like a hard, hard, hard terror, man. Um, 
And uh, so I got into crime, obviously, because I had no job. I had to, and we had to, you know, um, supply our habit. And uh, so I was kind of in and out of jail, in and out of jail. Um, my grandma at the time, she was in her, in her late 60s, right, taking care of my two little girls, who at the time are now three and four. Two, yeah, two, three, and four. Um, and her hearing was starting to go at this point. Um, so CFS was having concerns about that. And so they were talking about possible apprehension from my grandma. Mm -hmm. This time I'm sitting in jail and I'm like, well, what am I, like, what can I do? You know? So we go to family court and, um, at this time, Crystal thinks that my family's trying to get rid of, like, trying to get rid of her and stuff like that, trying to keep the kids from her. So there's, like, huge friction in between all of us. Um, and they bring us, we get to go to court. Crystal shows up. So I'm in the penalty box because I'm in jail. So I'm in the penalty box, and then Crystal is just on the other side of the glass. And it was my understanding that if something didn't happen at this court proceeding, that they were going to apprehend my kids pretty much that day. Right. So I'm, I'm feeling helpless. I'm in jail. I can't do nothing. And Crystal was like the judge is, you know, talking about stuff. And she's like, well, can I have a few days to think about this? And the judge is like, um, you know, uh, so he called a recess. And as I was walking, I'm like, you're a fucking stupid bitch. I'm like, you're going to fucking lose our kids. I'm like, who the fuck? And right. And I got dragged out of there. Mm -hmm. um, so went for a recess and they weren't going to let me come back out. And I'm like, that's not fair. I'm like, you know, so when they brought me into the penalty box, one of, one of the guards stood in between Crystal and I to make sure that I didn't say anything mm -hmm. to her. And when we came back, she's, it got explained to her by duty counsel what was going to happen. And we signed um, a temporary guardianship order mm -hmm. to my mom. And then that got rid of CFS completely, mm -hmm. which, which was nice. But um, that started Crystal's downward spir spiral really, really, really bad. So at this point, um, like I'm in jail, she's, she's cheated on me while I was in jail. She's got a new boyfriend, lost all of, like, she was trying to move around, lost all of our, like all of our belongings, you know, just typical drug addict shit. And, uh, I get out of jail, um, and I'm clean and sober and I'm like, I'm going to stay sober, right? Like this is nice. It feels good. Um, within a week of being out of jail, I'm back to doing dope. Mm -hmm. Um, Crystal and I get back together, we break up, get back together, get break up, get back. Like it just goes on like this for years. And, um, we're, uh, you know, and I'm in and out of jail, in and out of jail, in and out of jail. Um, so towards the end, <clears throat> well, I go and do another jail stint. And while I was in jail, I had tried to go to an AA meeting in jail mm -hmm. and, um, it was a joke. Right, because everybody that was in there just was going for something to do or just to get off the unit, right? Mm -hmm. And the guy running the running the meeting, you know, he was trying his best, but what are you gonna do with a bunch of convicts? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was just pretty much a shit show, and it was just to be able to get off the unit. Um, so I was like, this is this is useless. Mm -hmm. And before that, I had heard about AA, but I thought it was like a cult, mm -hmm. you know, because there's um, well, it kind of is. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Right? But um, It's just not one that requires sacrificing babies. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so Medicine Hat, there's one place, one main place that hosts all the meetings. Um, and then out by the trailer park that I used to live by, which is out by the airport, Medicine Hat, there's like this rickety looking clubhouse. And this is what really drove home the fact that it was, I thought it was a cult, um, was because it was like this rickety, you never seen anybody come and go except for one day. And it was always men. Mm-hmm. Right. And what that was, was it was a men's meeting AA house. Right. Gotcha. And so I thought it was called like an AA clubhouse. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Right. And so it had like the AA insignia or whatever on the door and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a fucking, it's a cult. Like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, so the main hub where most of the meetings are, is kind of down like a, like a fairly steep hill. And, um, I was riding my bike down there and I was all fucked up and I've seen everybody sitting outside having a smoke talk mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, you guys are fucking losers. And you know what I mean? And I wiped out mm-hmm. right in front of them. I fucked my bike up. I was messed up. And even though I sat there dissing all these people, every, every single one of them come running over to make mm-hmm. sure I was okay. Somebody's like, Oh, I'll call you an ambulance. I'm like, get the fuck off. Like, I don't need an ambulance, man. Like, fuck mm-hmm. off. And, and that stuck with me for the longest time because I was like, I literally just made fun of you guys. I was a piece of shit mm-hmm. to you guys and made an ass of myself. And you guys were still there trying to help me. The one guy was like, well, do you, because my bike was fucked up. He's like, do you want it? I'll give you a ride somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was like, you guys are, and which really drove home the thought of you guys are fucking losers. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, seriously, anybody, you've got to be a loser if you're asking people to help, if they need help. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, but that's how sick and deluded I was. Right. I'm like, I you love guys, it, man. You know, it was, it, it was, you're like, leave me a fuck alone. And all these people were like, yeah. Did you guys do anything to him? I thought you guys asked if he was okay. Yeah. Right. Like they're just being the nicest yeah. people and I'm just being a, like, just, man, it was bad. That sums up like, addicts and alcoholics when, yeah. we, when we just get that self-righteousness I yeah guess. for yeah. sure you know and so that moment stuck with me <laughs> and it still sticks with me you know mm, what i mean I and now being in the program i understand mm-hmm. you know what i mean because yeah. at one point i was them you know so mm-hmm. um so yeah so back to me being in jail and whatnot um and then i get released again obviously and i'm like kate hey, i'm gonna this time i'm gonna be sober right mm-hmm. like I didn't try to go to any meetings or anything like that. I was like, because this jail stint was longer than the last one. So I was like, I got more sobriety under my belt. It's going to be easy. While mm-hmm. I was in jail, I wasn't doing AA. But I was talking to the jail's addiction counselor, mm-hmm. set up like a like a treatment plan, a recovery plan, stuff like that, right? And safety plan and all that stuff. So I had high hopes. I'm like, fuck yeah, I got this. I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. So And no, that didn't happen. Um again got back into everything crystal and i on again off again on again off again um she crystal went to treatment a couple times in medicine hat tried to get sober um but our problem was we were extremely extremely toxic for each other in addiction but we couldn't stay away from each other right at this time we had been together for but we're still together and we're going on 11 years right mm-hmm. so it was like we just we couldn't stay away from each other and We'd be dating other people and sneaking around on those other people with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I had a lot of people in my corner that had a head on their shoulders that were trying to get me. So a lot of the women that I was sleeping with and dating and stuff had a head on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of was my thing. Like when shit would go bad with Crystal, I started talking to them because they had a house, they had vehicles, they, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it was survival mode. Um 
like one girl in particular, I drove her vehicle around and uh, she'd given me her credit card to put gas in. And I had taken that credit card and went and bought a shit ton of groceries mm-hmm. and brought them to Crystal. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was bad. So yeah, toxic love, man. Yeah. Yeah. And um, her favorite thing she used to say to me was, I don't love you or you don't love me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one time she had said that something just snapped and I blacked out. And, uh, when I came to, I was on top of her on her bed and I was tying her up with rope. Mm-hmm. And then all the thoughts of that, those few moments come flooding in. And my plan was I was going to tie her to her bed and set her house on fire mm-hmm. to show her just how much I love her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it was fucked. And uh, so it was, well, I, I don't know, man, that seems pretty logical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Like it was, yeah. And so when I came to, I had looked and like, I seen the fear in her face and realized yeah. what I was doing. It scared Whoa. the fuck out of me, man. Fuck, buddy. So she got chills. Yeah. So I, I, like, I didn't even say anything. I just got off her mm-hmm. and walked out. Like I, and so the next day I came back and I'm like, we need to break up or something mm. like this. This is, but that didn't happen. Um, so she started dating, like she was scared enough and the boyfriend that she was seeing who used to be my best friend, like mm. he was my ride or die. Um, he, like they were sleeping together and stuff. They were so paranoid that they had bars on all the bottom windows. Um, she had a 40 pound bench pressing bar and some brackets put up against her front door. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they were that scared and terrified, right? Like it was, it was messed up. So at this, so then when I got out of jail the second time, Crystal was using needles. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to try it and she's like, no, like Mm -hmm. I don't ever want you to do this. Like I regret doing it, blah, 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 blah. Um, so we get into an argument the one day. And I'm over with a bunch of my friends. Um, and every single every single one of these people had all said, I regret ever picking up a needle. I wish I somebody would have mm-hmm. stopped me and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So Crystal and I get into a huge fight. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking show her. I get off the phone. I come out of the room. And I'm like, I want a shot. Mm-hmm. Four people reach into their bags to pull out a rig. One of them was loaded. I couldn't even hit myself the first time. Mm-hmm. They did it for me. And that... I had never felt anything like that. Not even the very first time that I had tried meth did mm-hmm. I ever feel that. And that it that was amazing. Um, so I couldn't hit myself for the longest time. And then the very first time I had actually tried it, I was scared of blood for the most mm-hmm. part. So the very first time I tried it, I seen the f- blood fill into the syringe and scared the shit out of me. I just threw it out. Like, mm-hmm. I can't do this. And then once I was able to, that was it. Game over, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I'm constantly getting in trouble with the cops. Like almost every second day I'm getting arrested mm-hmm. for something. Like I'm so comfortable that when I walk into the into holding cells, I just go to sleep. Just mm-hmm. lay down on the concrete and just go to sleep and wait for my bail hearing. Wait for my, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm racking up the charges, racking up the charges, racking up the charges. Um, getting higher and higher and higher and higher. Um, every time... I would get arrested. I would just bring forward all my warrants, all my charges and stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm already here. Let's just deal with everything. Mm-hmm. So I got arrested, went to jail. And that time, uh, when I got arrested, we got pulled over and, um, and I had been on the run for eight months at the time. Mm-hmm. So we got pulled over and I said to my buddy, I'm like, I'm going to run. And he's like, uh, so at first, because I was the <laughs> He's like, uh, do I have to? I don't want <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> so like, so we're in the car. It's his girlfriend's car. She's driving. He's in the front seat. I'm in the back seat. 
the reason we got pulled over is because he he was also on conditions and stuff. Um, so they had pulled him over to make sure, because they seen three people in the vehicle, so mm-hmm. they were just making sure he was following his. So they had asked me my name. It was a cop I'd never seen before. So I gave him a fake name. You know, and he's like, well, where's your ID? I'm like, I don't have ID. You know, so I'm just being an asshole, giving them the runaround. Um, and they're like, well, we're going to need you to step out of the car. I'm like, no, you don't. I said, you're fucking. They're like, well, we need to make sure that he's not breaking his conditions. I said, well, I'm not. And I listed off the people that he wasn't allowed to be around. I said, I'm not any of them. So go about your fucking day. So they were trying to open the door, but the door was locked. And he's like, if you don't open this door, we're going to smash the window. So Dave's girlfriend was like, Cade. I'm like, well, fine. So she unlocked the door. And the two cops are standing there. As soon as they had opened up the back door, I don't even know what I was thinking or what. But as soon as they separated, I took off. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then I ended up getting taken out by the canine. Like, I don't know where I was going. We were on the side of the highway. And, um, there's like an open field, but then there was like a big ditch. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I was running, all of a sudden there wasn't anything under my feet. It felt like I was in a Looney Tunes cartoon, Mm -hmm. right? My feet were just Mm -hmm. kicking. And then I got hit by the dog. They chewed up on my shoulder and stuff like that. And I got arrested and I got put into jail. Um, at this point with my addiction, um, I was doing a ball a day just Mm -hmm. to stay at a baseline. I wasn't getting high anymore. I wasn't, it was just to keep me sane. Mm. So ball a day right into my veins. And um, yeah, so I had went to jail. Um, I got my charge sheet and noticed that I didn't have a possession charge because I had a lot of drugs on me. Um, so I thought either I left them in the backseat of the car mm-hmm. or when I was running, they fell out of my pocket. So I was wearing like this, whoops, I was wearing this Adidas windbreaker and it had just one little pocket right here. So when they arrested me, um, it had come off and stuff like that during the arrest. And the cop said, well, did you search that? And he's like, oh yeah. And he just did one of these, ran Mm -hmm. it up, hands up. And he's like, there's nothing in there. So I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Uh, They had to take me to the hospital first because like my shoulder was all Mm -hmm. chewed up from the dog and stuff. Got a tetanus shot and whatnot. And they brought me back, obviously, to holding. Um, Didn't get bail. Was going straight to jail. Um, So so my person got searched at the initial arrest. I got researched at the station. And then everything got researched once I got to remap. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, like I said, I caught my charge sheet and there was no possession charge. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I was in jail for a while. In that time, I had tried to go back to an AA meeting again. Mm -hmm. Um, I I picked up a Bible, you know, um, because when I had finally got arrested and it was just like once my cell door shut when I was in remand, I just let out a sigh of relief. Mm. You know, I was like, you know what? Like, it's finally. I'd been on the run for so long, you know, and it was just like, you know what? Like, this is nice. Like, it's... And, um, when I picked up a Bible, I can't even remember the verse, but it's like, I just flipped to it and I started reading and it screamed at me. Mm. Like I can't, and I can, and I try to remember and I can't remember what it is. And, but it, whatever it was, it screamed at me. And that's when I'd made the conscious decision. I'm like, okay, like this time I'm really, really going to try. Like I, you know, so I had faithfully went to, um, the AA meetings so in the medicine at remand, when you're upstairs, you're just in remand and there's one sentencing unit. So I got sentenced and uh, got brought down to that unit. 
and that unit is completely separate from the rest of them. So when the AA meeting would come in, it was only the guys from that unit, which was nice because now it wasn't just a bunch of dudes trying to, you know, pass messages. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was an actual meeting. So it was, it was fairly nice. Um, but because there was only 10, 10 to 15 people on the unit, it wasn't very often that we would get the AA guys mm -hmm. in there. Right. <clears throat> but I, I kept saying like, this is, this time I'm done. Like this time I'm, I'm really done. I'm really done. I'm really done. I'm really done. Um, fast forward to my release. Um, I'm grabbing my clothes. And as soon as I grab my windbreaker, I feel it. Hmm. And I'm like, no way. You know what I mean? And so I get changed out. I walk out the front doors. I put my hand in my pocket. Sure as shit. There's my dope. Hmm. And I'm like, how did that happen? Right. So because I kind of had like somewhat of a spiritual in my mind, a spiritual awakening in a sense, right. Picked up that by, I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. God wants me to do drugs. <laughs> right. Like why wouldn't he? I, I just had this, I, you know, I had this Again, it's a logical conclusion. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I wasn't even out. Um, yeah. Cause I got out the day of my daughter's Ava and Matea's first day of school that year. So my mom picked me up, took me to my grandma's. I ran downstairs. I found my needles and I got high, took my kids to, took my kids to school with them. And then I just fucked off and that started another terror. And, uh, Crystal and I, you know, on again, off again, you know, like it, it, it was bad. It was it, like, it was, um, cheating on each other all the time. Like at the end of the day, we were playing a game of who could hurt who the most, mm -hmm. you know, and, it, like it was bad. And, um, so she had gone to treatment for 30 days. She got out. I was still using, she relapsed. When I got out of jail, I was sober. She was still using a relapse. Like it was, we had both tried to get sober in our own ways, but we just couldn't stay sober. Um, so all my charges and stuff that I figured were, were all dealt with, you know, but I'm going on a terror. I had called a few, a few treatment centers. Um, you know, I Google did the Google review thing, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously fresh start because they have amazing reviews. Mm -hmm. I called them three month wait list. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Called a few other places, kind of the same thing, right? Like it takes a minute to get into treatment. Yeah. Um, but I was holding out for fresh start. I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, and I don't know if that was just kind of like my own way of being able to stay using longer or who nice. knows, right? Um, <clears throat> and then one night, my van broke down and uh, I had actually called my mom. I'm like, you know, can you come pick? It's like the middle of winter. I'm kind of just outside of Redcliffe, which is just outside of Medicine Hat. Mm -hmm. So I called her, um, but I had been sitting on the side of the road for so long that somebody had actually called the cops. Um, and when the cops showed up, I had some guy that was using his truck to push my van just down the road so I could get it to the parking lot, mm -hmm. right? Because it was just like a two-way road. So once that was done, the cops had come over and they started talking to me and asking me my name. And I told him, and he's like, oh, well, you're under arrest. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, you have a warrant. And I'm like, for what? Like, I haven't done anything. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was doing drugs and stuff, but I had got back into selling it, so I didn't need to do any crime. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm not being picked up, you know? And it turns out that this warrant got issued while I was in jail, mm -hmm. but they didn't know where I was apparently, right? And so I don't know, it was just fucked up. Either way, I got arrested for it. Um, 
and then I got released the next day on bail, which was really surprising to me because I'm what they consider a flight risk, right? Mm -hmm. Like it didn't matter. Every time I was always on the run, always had warrants, wouldn't go to court, blah, blah. But I was still released on bail. Um, <clears throat> you know, my grandma came and bailed me out for the umpteenth time, you know, with the promise that I would stay away from Crystal mm -hmm. because my family really believed that if I stayed away from Crystal, that I would stay sober, that she was the driving force for my addiction, you know, and... Um, and then also during this time, my mom, who has been super supportive and super loving, actually went back to school to get her community support worker with her addictions one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. So she could understand me better, you know, like, so she, that's why she went cause she was hoping that she'd be able to get this and then be able to help me. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I get released, it's, this is kind of, it's around November um of 2019 and uh crystal and i were, were going hard we're going like it's it's not even pretty sure it's not even love anymore like mm -hmm. i had more hate for her than anything but i was constantly drawn to her and um during the couple of the odd time that we were both sober together we had made a pact that if we had ever got sober at the same time that we would give ourselves a serious shot. Mm -hmm. And if it didn't work in sobriety, then it wasn't the drugs. It was us. And we mm -hmm. were, everybody was right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going hard. It's not even love. Like I'm, you know what I mean? Like she's, I'm just pretty much at her house and that's just cause she can't get rid of me. I just decide mm -hmm. not to, you know, shit like that. Um, Fast forward to Christmas, we were supposed to have our kids for Christmas night. They were going to get brought over so we could open up presents and stuff. And Crystal and I get into a huge, huge fight. And the cops get called. And the cops showed up at the exact same time my kids did. And who was bringing them didn't leave. She just drove to the other side of the street. So my kids are sitting in a vehicle watching Crystal and I get talked to by the cops. We're screaming. We're fighting. Nothing happened. I had no warrant, so I didn't end up getting arrested. But we didn't get to see the kids that night. Um, and, yeah, like, so it was bad. Like, I trashed the house. Like, the, it's a good thing the kids didn't come because their Christmas presents were destroyed. The Christmas, like, Christmas was fucking ruined, you know? Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, within that couple weeks, Crystal and I were just like, like enough is enough. Like... So December 31st of 2019, we finished what we had and we're like, we're done. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go get any more. We're not going to. Um, so we decided that was it. We rode out that high. We turned off our phones, locked the door, closed the blinds, and we fucking white knuckled it. Mm -hmm. um, I had turned my phone and I was sick, like sick, sick, sick. Uh, even though Crystal and my mom were constantly fighting, Crystal actually called my mom and was like, we need to do something for him, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so she would bring Crystal money and, and smokes and food and stuff like that for me. I couldn't eat. I couldn't, like, I was awake for 10 minutes at a time, and that was just so I could throw up, dry heave, and try to have a cigarette. Mm -hmm. um, Crystal had a date to go back to treatment, I think it was January 20th. I think right around that time anyways, um, of 2020. And, um, I turned my phone back on and I had a voicemail 
So I listened to it, and it was Carrie Gladue from Simon Hall. Mm. So I called him back, and he's like, well, how long have you been sober? And I'm like, well, like a couple weeks now, I think. And he's like, can you be here tomorrow? And I'm like, yes. Mm. So I called my mom. I said, I can go to treatment in Calgary tomorrow. So, uh, Crystal called the treatment center in Medicine Hut because she'd been there a few times. She has a rapport with them. And she said, look, Cade's going to treatment tomorrow. Is there any way that I can come in sooner? Mm. And they said, we can't have you come tomorrow, but you can come the next day. So that night I packed everything up and it wasn't fully sinking in what was happening. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and then uh, the next morning, my mom picks me up. I get everything put in the, you know, I say goodbye to Crystal. And we're driving to Calgary, and it's just quiet between my mom. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm not. Um, the closer we're getting to Calgary, the worse my anxiety is getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got into Calgary a little bit early. So my mom and I go and have something to eat, you know. And I knew that I was going to have to drug test. Um because Simon, I tried to go to Simon Hollis a few months prior, so I skipped over that. I had tried to go. Um, Carrie, I was sober for a few days, and then Carrie had called me just after I got high. Mm. And he's like, well, how long have you been sober? And I'm like, well, right now, three days. He's mm. like, okay, in two days, come up here, and we're good to go, right? Mm. But I had just gotten high, and I continued to get high. Still made my grandma and my sister and packed all my shit, drove up, you know, got to Simon. I was supposed to be there at one o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't get there till 10 o'clock at night, mm. you know. Um, and so I'm going to like unpack it or get everything out. And Al is like, okay, hey, well, we're going to do a drug test, right? Mm. Like we have to drug test you first. And I'm like, so, so what happens if something shows up on that drug test, mm. right? And he just kind of looked at me and he's like, well, what's going to show up? I said, well, I, I've been doing meth for a long time. Like, what if it shows up, you know, and he's like, well, it, it will test. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it obviously came back positive. And he said, so when was the last time you used? I'm like, five days ago. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. You've been doing meth for a long time. We will let you stay the weekend. Mm-hmm. We will test you again on the weekend, at the end of the weekend. If it's still the same. Your family's going to have to come back up here, pick you up, and take you back down or wherever, right? Mm -hmm. So, when was the last time you used? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, this morning. He's like, okay. So, they denied me. Went back to Medicine Hat, and I was like, fuck them. Mm -hmm. Like, what kind of treatment center doesn't let anybody in because they're high? That's the whole point of a treatment center. I played it off like I didn't know that they were going to drug test me, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because then again, it wasn't my fault. So, uh, (laughs) so now my mom and I were on our way to Calgary. Um, I'm making a point not to go to the bathroom because I know I'm going to have to piss and stuff. And we get into Calgary, we go for something to eat and, uh, we're driving down 16th and we're about to pass the A&W that's on 16th. And, uh, I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom. Right. And, uh, so we pull into the bathroom and, uh, I go and then I come out and I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm going to, like, I need liquid again right Mm. but it was i was still trying to self-sabotage um so my mom bought me a drink at uh at a and w i pounded that back we stopped at a gas station i bought a bottle of water 
So I pounded that back, and then uh, we pull up to Simon House, and my anxiety just thought shot right through the roof. Like it, like I was fucking terrified. I was so scared. I just sat in the car, and I just started crying. Mm. And I said, "Please, please don't leave me here. Mm. Right? Like don't." Like I, I can do it. I, I've been sober this long. Like I'm sorry that we drove up, but I don't like don't mm. don't leave me here. Please don't leave me here. You know. And uh, she even said that was the hardest thing that she had to do mm. because she's looking at her son begging her, mm -hmm. but she knew it wasn't me that it was my addiction begging mm. her. So she literally held my hand all the way into the treatment center. Um, went we you know went and did my drug test. And he came back negative for everything. And um, he's like, okay. So we were going ahead with like the intake and whatnot. And then uh, um, you know, Carrie's like, are you gonna walk your mom out? I said, yeah. So I walked her out and I just, and I held her and I didn't want to let go. Like I really, I really didn't want to let go, you know? And I'm like, and she's like, you got this, you know, like this is it. You know, and at this time, a couple of the guys are sitting outside smoking and they're seeing what's going on. Mm. Right. So she gets in her vehicle and she drives away and they all come up to me and they're like, oh, hey, how you doing, man? You know, like, welcome and blah, blah, blah. So I go inside, get brought up to my room. Now, at Simon House, your first three days, you're confined to the facility. You're not allowed to go anywhere. They want to make sure, you know. So, uh, so that kind of sucked. Um, our, the phone doesn't dial long distance. Mm -hmm. So, which kind of really sucked too. Um, luckily there was a couple guys that had calling cards. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. And so my first, my first few days there, I, like I was, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I was scared. I was shaking, crying myself to sleep, mm -hmm. you know? <clears throat> and I thought that was fucked up because like I had been in some serious situations during my addiction, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, and Nothing that all looked like a cakewalk compared mm -hmm. to going to treatment, which you know, and not simply because of the unknown, right? Um, so treatment was going good for a little bit. Um, you know, Crystal, she was able because she wasn't able to go to treatment until the day after. So my mom got back to Medicine Hat, picked Crystal and all of her belongings up from our house, took her to my grandma's house so Crystal could spend the night with my kids. Mm -hmm. And then my mom drove Crystal to treatment the next day in Medicine Hat. Um, so we still had contact during treatment and stuff like that. And um, the first little while I was fighting the program, mm -hmm. you know, I was just kind of going through the motions. I mean, this is, this is bullshit. Like it just, and at the time I still had it in my mind. I'm like, you know what? I'll go through the motions, um, finish treatment, and then whatever happens, happens. Because in my mind, I was like, if I leave treatment and I relapse, then that's it. Obviously, I've tried everything. I've tried jail. I've tried this. I've tried treatment. Nothing's going to work, obviously. you know. And that was my mm -hmm. mindset. I'm going to stay a drug addict my whole life. And at the time, I was fairly fine with that. You know what I mean? Like, my kids were safe. You know, like, yeah, I, w I was going in and out of jail, but jail wasn't scary to me. It was like a family reunion. Every time mm -hmm. I'd go in there, it was all my friends. It was, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it just... So <sighs> Crystal and I, we were talking on the phone and we got into a huge, huge fight. And I was like, fuck it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I slammed the phone down. I'm yelling and screaming. Um, and my counselor, 
overheard everything that was going on. And of course, all the support staff are kind of following me because mm -hmm. I'm being aggressive, right? I'm not towards anybody, but I'm yelling, I'm screaming, mm -hmm. right? So they just got to make sure. And uh, I'm like, I'm fucking out of here, dude. Like, I'm, I'm done. And I went into my room and I slammed the door. My counselor's kind of listening. And uh, he finally came into my bedroom and he's like, you don't have to say anything, but you need to listen to me, mm -hmm. right? He said, I know what you're going through. You know, like, it's just, you need to calm down. Like, you know, and then he brought up the acceptance, you know, mm -hmm. 416 and 417 and stuff like that. And, you know, and he's like, and then this is why, especially why we say you're not supposed to have a relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm different like this, this, fuck, you know? And he's like, you need, so he talked me down mm -hmm. and he left. Mm -hmm. And so finally I just said, like, I'm like, if you're out there, whatever you are, wherever you are, if you're fucking real and this isn't bullshit, show me something, mm -hmm. show me, like, just give me a sign. And, uh, that day or the couple, within the next couple of days, I was supposed to be taking my 30 day chip. And all of a sudden I just had a vision of a 30 day chip mm -hmm. being put into my hand. I'd never seen a chip like that in my life. I was like, that's weird. Mm -hmm. I later find out that it's, it's the CA chip. Mm -hmm. right and I pictured it perfectly I had never once I was going to AA meetings I was mm -hmm. going you know what I mean and I went to CA and that's where I took my 30 mm -hmm. days and that's and I and when I seen that chip I was like holy like my hair stood up like even now there talking about it right I was like holy fuck mm -hmm. right <clears throat> so everything everything changed for me that moment mm -hmm. and I really everything kind of looked different everything felt different and that's when I started buying into the program mm -hmm. that's when I started actually applying myself during classes and stuff like that in treatment and um, going into therapy and actually talking about stuff not just being mundane shit mm -hmm. um, and as time progressed um, my brain was unlocking suppressed memories mm -hmm. and then this one memory came back and I remember being told when I was a kid that our mind makes up false memories mm -hmm. or a false narrative of a memory. But when this memory came back, it was like a punch to the teeth. Mm -hmm. I remember it so clearly. I was wearing, it was when I was a little kid living in one of the houses we were living in. I remember the smell of the house, the taste of the cereal I was eating. My, that's when Toy Story was really big. So I had like a Woody onesie on, mm -hmm. you know, and that day it spilled my milk down the front of me. And so like, I remember everything from that day so vividly. And that almost took me back out. Mm -hmm. And what that memory was, was the memory of me being molested when I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And that's the memory that I had been running from my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I really struggled with it because, so at that time, my mom was working at the base overnights. So we had a babysitter that would come and spend the night with us. Um, and she was a female, right? Um, she never did anything to me, um, but she made me like go down on her and her boyfriend would sit there and watch and mm. masturbate. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. When that memory came back, I struggled with it because as an adult, I know that that's wrong. Like yeah. in all, in every way that is wrong. But in my mind, I'm like, she didn't do anything to me, mm. you know? And it was a female, you know what I mean? So it was like, I was going back and forth with the, mm. is this wrong? Is this right? And I was struggling with it. And that, that 
was almost worse than reliving that memory, mm-hmm. you know, but I had almost went back out. Um, and again, my counselor sat me down and it's funny because the counselor I had, um, he's an old Irishman or Scotsman, mm-hmm. um, Whichever one he is, he hates being called the other one. So I hope I didn't. <laughs> I hope I didn't just butcher that, and he doesn't come find me. Anyways, um, he sat me down, and he's like, "Look, like, I know exactly how you feel. You know what I mean." I'm like, "You can't." And he's like, "I know, right?" And so we we talked it out. And I don't want to, you know, but we talked it out. And it made me feel a lot better. So I had said, "Should I call my mom? Should I tell my mom?" And he said, "Well, does your mom know?" And I'm like. I believe 100% no matter, like, even though I had so much hate for my mom during that time, I fully believed that if, if she knew that she would have, she would have put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, no, I, I don't, I don't think she knows. He's like, okay, I wouldn't do it over the phone. Mm-hmm. He said, maybe see if she'll come up and see you or wait until Simon House did this thing once a month called family day. Mm-hmm. Your family would come up. Um, they go sit down with Lori um, and she would explain the progress, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on. And so, so my mom, he's like, or wait for that. And I'm like, well, I, I like, I don't know if I could. So I called my mom. I said, can you come to Calgary this weekend? And yeah, sure. You know, no problem. You want me? And I'm like, by yourself, please mm-hmm. come by yourself. So she comes and picks me up <clears throat> Saturday morning and we go out and we do our thing. We're hanging out and like, I'm prolonging it. Like I have mad anxiety. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we had to be back at the house by 11 PM and it's like 1030 and I still haven't told her. So finally I just pulled into a Tim Hortons and I sat her down and I, and you know, I started to tear up and shit. And I said, I just want you to know that I don't blame you. I don't, you know, I said, but what I'm going to tell you, I said, I need to tell you. So I just told her and the look on her face was, and she just put her head down and she's like, I am so sorry. So what the situation was, was she was working overnights and this woman, she's like, I, she's like, I really wish I remembered her name. And I'm like, you know what? It was so long ago. You know what I mean? Like, what could we do now? Right. Mm -hmm. But what the situation was, was this woman was struggling and was pretty much on the street. So Mm -hmm. my mom's, it was a win-win. You come stay the night. You got Mm -hmm. a safe place for the night. You watch my kids. She's like, and I told her that her boyfriend was never allowed to be there. Right. And so then I told her what had happened and she's like, I'm so sorry. And, you know, I said, and, but after that moment, like I felt like the whole world just lifted, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it felt great. Um, you know, and I'm in the program, everything's going good. Um, a week or so after that is when I came and did my step five mm-hmm. and that, that really sealed, that really sealed the deal for the program works. Right. Because everybody was telling me step four is scary as shit. It's hard. It's, you know, and, and it was like, I had a lot of sleepless nights. Mm-hmm, I had, a, sure. you know, yeah. and, um, so I come and did my step five and even doing, even when I got here, I sat outside and I would contemplate it so many times just walking away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was like, it just, I'd be surprised if people didn't. Right. Yeah. You know? And so when I came in here and I sat down and, you know, like it just, but you were so welcoming and you were, you know what I mean? And oh, it, good. Yeah. And Glad it, to hear that. But it was, and then there was a few times like during it, you know, cause you, you just sit there and you listen to our story, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're writing down stuff and went, and there was a couple times where I'm like, this fucker's judging me. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was, I was scared to say some of the stuff that I had to mm. say, but I just remember being told chances of somebody hearing something that I've done isn't something that they haven't heard before. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the only one in the world. You know what I mean? That's true. So, and after that, I, when I walked out those doors, I felt like a million bucks and I went and did my hour of meditation and, you Mm -hmm. know, and did my six and my seven. And it was great during all this time because the treatment center in Medicine Hut is only 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, Simon House is 90 days. So at this point, I'm in love with Calgary. You know what I mean? Like, I love Boness, and, you know, I learned about the changing people, places, and things. Mm-hmm. And well, the house in Boness is in a beautiful spot. Yeah, it is. Yeah, right across that river. You yeah. got that old bridge. You got, you know, Shoulders Park right there. Yeah, like, it's... Very cool spot. Yeah, it's it, it was awesome. And I'm actually glad that I went, because Simon House was the bottom of my list, because mm-hmm. the Google reviews for Simon House suck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was like, that's a shit place. That I, I owe my life to that place. Sometimes popularity of something doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah, the amenities at Fresh Start might have been awesome. And you know what For I mean? For sure. There's nothing wrong with Fresh Start, yeah. but it's, it's a matter of who, yeah. who's out there judging this, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, all the bad all the bad comments are from addicts that got kicked out. You know, they broke rules or whatever, Very well right? could be. Yeah. yeah. So it was just like, you know, and it... And yeah, I... And that's what I needed because it is kind of everybody can't, oh, it's boot camp. It's, it's, you know, and Mm -hmm. yeah, there was rules, but they're normal rules. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make your bed, be showered. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to do the five meetings a week. You had to jerk to each other. Yeah, exactly. mm -hmm. Right. Normal societal rules. Yep. Right. And they weren't there to hold your hand. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I needed. Right. Because I had my family, they didn't, they didn't baby me. And towards the end, they weren't as, oh, what's that word I'm looking for? Um, Enabling? Yes. There we go. Thank you. Um, they weren't um, as, in, like, in the beginning of my addiction, they were. Like, so, like anytime mm-hmm. I needed money, my mom would give it to me. Anytime, you know what I mean? It didn't matter um, if I needed anything. She would be, okay, here mm-hmm. you go. Um, towards the end, that stopped. I would call her and I'd say, hey, can I, you know, get 20 bucks for a pack of smokes mm-hmm. and... And a slush. Instead of giving me the 20 bucks, she'd bring me a pack of smokes and a slush. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were still helping me, but they weren't giving me the money and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, with my kids being safe and with my family not in the system, like mm-hmm. it, it really did make it easy. You know, there was a lot of hand-holding in a sense, right? So, when I got to Simon House, all that stopped, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're not there to hold your hand. Like, you're here for you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm not going to do it for you. I'm not. And, and that's and that's. And really, they want to try to prepare you the best they can. Yeah, right? exactly, right? Yeah. And that's... And the, Al... That's what he said. I'm. We're creating men for society, men with integrity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's you're in control of your own life. He's like, I'm not going to be here for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know. So, and yeah, it, it, and it was amazing. Um, so I got to graduate, and that was just oh, wait. So I convinced. I called Crystal and I said, "Come, come to Calgary. Mm-hmm. Let's give it a shot. We're both sober at the same time. Remember our pact." And she's like terrified, but she's like, okay. So she put all of her stuff into storage. Um, she found somebody looking for a roommate on Kijiji. Mm-hmm. So um, she took the shuttle. He went and picked her up from where the shuttle dropped her off. And that only lasted about two weeks. Mm-hmm. 
because he turned out to be just a nut job. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what do you expect for finding somebody on Kijiji? That's yeah. a scary proposition, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Like, especially if you're a woman. Like, yeah, right. Be and really it, terrifying. So, but he lived in Bonas, and it was like about a five-minute walk mm-hmm. from the house. Right, so when she had originally said it was a man, I was like, ah, uh, and then she told me where the address was, and I'm like, okay, well, that's only a few minutes away. I mm-hmm. know for a fact that if I say something, I'm going to have 40 guys, and we're going to show up, mm-hmm. at, you know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, you, you'll be okay. Turned out that he was a complete nut job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that fell through fairly quick, and Crystal uh, called her auntie, uh, who put her up in a bed and breakfast mm-hmm. uh, just on the other side of, of the bridge there. Really nice place. And uh, Crystal got in touch with Oxford House okay. and managed to get into Oxford House f- surprisingly quick. Like right it, it was just like, you know, and I kept seeing it was God shot after God shot after God shot. You know what For I mean? Sure. Like, cause you get in, it's, it's a long time to get into Oxford House. And it she, usually is, yeah. Yeah, and she got in there. Like, she was only in the Airbnb for a week. Yeah. And boom, they got her in. Right, so, right, gotcha. Another good program here in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super, we're super thankful for it. Um, so, she was in Oxford. And um, I was thinking about going into phase three in Simon House, mm-hmm. which is like the transitional housing and whatnot. Um, but Crystal had said things weren't going so well with her roommates at Oxford. Like mm-hmm. it just, it, it's an amazing program. It's great. You know what I mean? Sometimes a personalities you, clash, yeah, right? Exactly. Right. Like you're not going to mm-hmm. get along with everybody. So it was starting to fall through. So I said, okay, well maybe look for, look for a place. Mm-hmm. So she was scouring the internet and found an ad on Kijiji for a guy that was looking for tenants, but also an employee. So she's trying to get get a hold of him, get a hold of him, get a hold of him. And it's like she was blowing blowing his phone up. And uh, really amazing guy. He's a really good friend to this day. Um, he, uh, um, she finally gets a hold of him. And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, they set everything up. She goes and looks at the place. It's just a little studio basement suite, mm-hmm. right? Um, but she had said, would you have enough... Uh, work for my for my husband or whatever right like he's in treatment right now Mm -hmm. um we kind of at the beginning we didn't well we didn't lie i didn't tell him that i was a meth addict but he knew that i was in treatment for Mm -hmm. alcohol which it isn't a lie but you know so it was um but he was super super supportive of our program Mm -hmm. right um so yeah so we she moved in april 1st of 2020 and uh i got out of treatment the middle of april i think 16th or something like that um of 2020 and moved in with her back like into our place um and we went to work um at first it was we were just renovating the upstairs of this house um and then summer was starting to kick off and it was starting to uh um like work was really starting to pick up and that's like when COVID was first coming mm-hmm. out. Right. Like it was, so he lives out in Cochrane, just out by the, out by the Mount. Um, and, uh, so he would have to drive 45 minutes both ways to come pick us up because mm-hmm. we didn't have vehicles. So he had said, Hey, if I get a camper or something, would you guys mind coming and staying out on my property for the week? Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, like, fuck yeah. Um, so we had made a, 
a plan with him. Like we had said, okay, we need to make sure that we are at least back in Calgary so we can do laundry shop mm-hmm. and so we can go to meetings. Like we need to at least be doing a meeting a week. Mm-hmm. And he was super okay with that. And we had also told him that because he was our mode of transportation, as we had said, when we're out there, there is no reason why we need to leave the property if mm-hmm. we're not leaving with you going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. We always, we had food. We like, we had everything we need. We made sure of that. Mm-hmm. I said, if we're trying to get off your property, there is a reason. And he was super, like he was super supportive. Mm-hmm. Like in all honesty, I'm not sure what our transition to Calgary would have looked like mm-hmm. without him. I'm sure we would have figured it out. But again, it was just one of those God shots. Yeah. Right. And, like an amazing, an amazing man. Like he's a really good friend of ours now. Uh, so now we're both sober. We're out here. We're living. Things are good. We made a plan with my mom that we wanted a year of sobriety under our belt before our kids came mm-hmm. home or before we even started the transition for them to come home. Yeah. Right. Like we made sure that that was in place. We wanted to uh, make sure that we were working. We had, mm-hmm. so we were just in this little studio basement suite. And what was happening was cause he owned the whole house. Um, it was, well, it was his mother-in-law's house. Um, but anyways, they were renovating upstairs and we were, we were hoping to have it done to be able to bring the kids home. And what was mm-hmm. going to happen is we were going to move upstairs. And then all of a sudden he dropped an outrageous thing. He wanted 2,500 a month for it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we wanted the kids to be able to come up for weekend visits and stuff. And he was nice enough. Like the bedrooms upstairs were renovated. Like there was just no carpet in the mm-hmm. living room and it was habitable, but it wasn't. So when the kids would come to visit, he allowed us to have access to the whole house, mm-hmm. which was nice, but that just, it, that wasn't ideal. Yeah. So Crystal and I started looking for a bigger place and we went and looked at a few places and they just no no callbacks mm-hmm. or they were just garbage. And um, the house that we went and looked at, um, the lady we were talking to, when we were supposed to go look at it was when Calgary got a really bad blizzard. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, the lady we were talking to has like PTSD when it comes to driving in the snow and stuff. So she's like, the guy that lives downstairs We'll show you around. If you guys like it and whatnot, give us a call and we'll start the application process. Mm-hmm. So we drove over there and met the guy at the door. Super nice guy. You know, he kind of showed us around. And we were asking him questions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and we loved it. Three bedroom main floor, you know, in Abbeydale, right? So it's, and everybody told me to stay away from the Northeast, mm-hmm. right? Oh, Northeast is a ghetto. It's the ghetto. It's the ghetto. But Abbey, we love our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So anyways, like we fall in love with the place. Um... Crystal calls the company back and we later find out that the guy showing us who lives in the basement is actually the owner of the house, Mm. him and his mom. I can't remember. They're from overseas. I can't remember where they're from, but this is, he just moved to Canada and uh, just bought the house and him and his mom live in the basement and we get to live upstairs. Right. So it turned out that he was the owner and that Mm. was our landlord. Um, And she's like, Oh good. Because Mazim really likes you guys Mm. and you know, feels like you guys will be a great fit. So we've been there for almost two years now. Tim had actually helped us move all of our stuff from his host to our new host and mm. gave us glowing references and stuff like that. Um, so it's winter time and work has slowed down, at least for me, because I was more about the grunt work, doing outside shit. Crystal was, you know, the meticulous painting and mm. I couldn't get into that. I fucking 
piss me off every time, you know. So <laughs> I was all about grunt work and the landscaping and the building of the fences mm -hmm. and demolition. And so work had kind of slowed down for me. While we were working, Crystal was in school for her, um, the same diploma that my mom got her, uh, community support worker um, with her addictions one, two, and three. Took the exact mm -hmm. same course. Um, so she was doing that plus working and, and, you know, and it turned out great. So I'm trying to find a job, trying to find, but it's in the middle of COVID, mm -hmm. right? Everything is just shut down. Everybody's still scared. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was hard. It's been a hard couple of years. Man. Yeah. So I couldn't find it, you know, but my wife was super supportive. You know, yeah. we had, we had her student loan money, you know, plus we were getting the money from, you know, the COVID benefits and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not like we were struggling, but we weren't living like kings you know what i mean but mm. it was it, it was still good it was good um so september 17th two years ago um i get woken up at like 11 30 at night i gotta work the next morning i get woken up <clears throat> crystal's like kate it's your mom she needs to talk to you i'm like i gotta fucking work in the morning it's a tell her i'll call her tomorrow and she's like, no, Kate, I think, I think you need to talk to her. Mm -hmm. So I'm pissed, right? I'm like, fuck, like, why, why couldn't this wait? So I get on the phone with my mom, um, you know, and she's, she's in tears. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Um, so when Nancy died, she had three kids, uh, Mason, Carly, and Shay. Shay is her oldest daughter but at the time was living with her dad. And then there was Mason and Carly and they were just based. I think Carly was four or five <clears throat> and then Mason's her older brother. So they were about four or five. Anyways, when Nancy died, my mom adopted them. Mm -hmm. So there was Mason, Carly and Ocean and Ocean was my mom's husband's or is my mom's husband's um, biological daughter. And then Mason and Carly, which were adopted. So September 17th, two years ago, I'm on the phone with my mom. She's in tears. And um, she said, everybody's okay. We're in a hotel. Um, but Chris is going to be arrested. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was like, what? And that's, that's her husband's name. She said that she was getting ready to go to work that day in Ocean said, mom, can I talk to you? You know, and my mom's like, yeah, just, you know, give me a minute, you know, have supper, whatever. Right. And then she's like, mom, can I please talk to you? You know, my mom is kind of like in the hustle and bustle of the day trying to get mm -hmm. ready. And, you know, she's kind of slightly getting annoyed. And then she's like, mom, please, I need to talk to you in private. And my mm -hmm. mom, because she, at this time she is 12, yeah, 12 years old. So my mom thought, you know, she's wants to talk in private because she needs tampons mm -hmm. or something, right. Doesn't want to say. So, um, just before my mom leaves, Ocean is like, mom, please let me talk to you, mm -hmm. right? So my mom goes into her bedroom and Ocean proceeds to tell her that um, her father has been raping and molesting her and Carly. Mm -hmm. And my mom okay. was like, like what? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so she told Ocean to go to the park because like just behind their house is a is St. Mary's school and there's a park. Mm -hmm. And she said, go to that park and just stay there. Um, and I will meet you there. Oh, those poor kids. Man. Yeah. So she leaves 
And I commend my mom for this, man, the amount of strength. She walked out of Ocean's room. Chris is sitting on the couch. She doesn't say a fucking word to him other than I got to go to work. Afterwards, I'm going to stop by mom's. See you later. And walked out the door. She made sure that Ocean went out the back door to go to the park. She walked out the door. Um, <clears throat> so she drives to the school, parks where, you know, Chris can't see him or anything like that. And uh, at this time, Carly is also at the park. Mm. So they both get into the vehicle. And my mom says, like, Carly's like, well, what's going on? Uh, my mom says to Carly, your dad has been molesting. And Carly said, I know, because it's been happening to me too. Mm. And my mom, so what happened was these two little girls, they're 11 and 12, that day had finally had enough. And when they were at the park, they made a pact to finally tell my mom. And they were terrified because mm -hmm. he had them believing that he was the only one that loved them, mm -hmm. that my mom wasn't going to believe them, shit like that, right? Like yeah, it I was, heard all that shit too. It was, it was bad. So they, my mom knew that, because um, Chris is lazy as fuck. Like the guy has, has never worked in the fucking 10 years that they were together. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just a lazy piece of shit. Um, he, uh, she knew that if he couldn't get the girl's attention, that he would send Mason to the park to go and get him. So my mom, on the phone with the police and stuff like that, talking to them, um, he, uh, you know, my mom could see the house and she, and she could see Chris, you know, waving, trying to, you know, get the girl's attention and stuff like that, trying to see if he could see him. And then he goes in the house and a few minutes later, Mason comes out. So he goes to the park, he's looking right, and then he sees my mom's vehicle and gets in and my mom explains what's going on. Mm. They drive directly to my grandma's house and then uh, she gets a call from victim's assistance and says, like, where are you guys? You mm. know, and she's like, well, I'm at, at my mom's house. And she's like, well, like, how far away is that? She's like, well, it's a 10-minute walk, you know. Mm. Like, she's like, that's not far enough. So they put them up in a hotel for the night. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so my mom called me, obviously, that night. Um, and it, like it, it, it didn't fully sink in what she was telling me. I mean, granted, like she just woke me up type thing. Right. And, but my first question was, what about my daughters? Mm -hmm. You know, um, she said, we're right now. We're pretty sure he didn't do anything to them. Mm -hmm. Um, cause he wasn't able to control them. Like Mason, Carly and ocean. The only time they were allowed to go to the park was when they were taking my daughters. Mm -hmm. They weren't allowed to go to friends house. Friends weren't allowed to come over, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Right. Um, but my kids, he couldn't control every weekend. Mm -hmm. They were either at their aunties or at, an, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were bounced around a lot. There was no control there. Um, so yeah, she's would have been like, too risky. Maybe. Yeah. Right. And, um, so those poor girls, man. Yeah. So my mom mm -hmm. said, we're pretty sure nothing has happened to them. She said, but victim's assistance has set some stuff up. They're going to be talking to professionals mm -hmm. tomorrow. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like that's awesome. You know? Like, well, not awesome, but that they were going to be seeing somebody. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so I get off the phone and again, it still didn't fully sink in, you know, next morning I wake up, Crystal and I get into an argument, like we're at each other's throats, you know, and I was like, fuck this. And I go to work and um, I'm going, I'm fixing a fence. So I got to dig some fence posts and stuff like that. And I'm digging and I'm digging and I didn't even realize, but it was like, 
You know, like in movies, like when somebody gets knocked out or something, like it's that real quiet, like, right? I could hear that, but I didn't. And then all of a sudden there was a hand on my shoulder and it was Tim. He's like, Cade, what are you doing? And I had one of those big, long buster bar things and I'm digging, but I bent it right in half. And Mm -hmm. he said that I was just sitting, I was hammering because it had finally sunk in. And I just, and I looked at him, I said, I need to go. He said, no, no, I, that's why I'm here. Cause he just dropped me off and went and did something else. And he had come back cause Crystal had called him and said, okay, we we need to go to medicine hat. Mm-hmm. So he's like, that's why I'm here. I'm here to take you home. I guess your uncle's coming to pick you up, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So we go down to medicine hat and, um, the cops didn't go and arrest him until the next day. And he got released that same day on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that really fucked with me because here I am. I know the justice system. You know what I mean? I never once got a bail hearing that fast, let alone release. I think there was once I got released on paper, but oh, I never. First time though, right? Yeah. First time offender that they know of it first, you know? So well, yeah, yeah. In the court's eyes, first time offender. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but he was released, um, obviously with not being able to go back to the house, having to stay, um, not being able to go within 500 yards of Carly and Ocean. Mm-hmm. Nothing was said about my mom or Mason, but that, you know, that's fine enough for right now. So as soon as I see my mom, she just breaks down, obviously, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, so, but Matea, my youngest, she, um, she, uh, like they kind of knew what, what had happened. They knew, she just kept saying, because my grandma and my mom said, Grandpa's gone away. He's not mm-hmm. going to come back. He He's doing some bad shit. He's mm-hmm. not coming back. So the first couple nights, Mateo was scared. And so, well, what if Grandpa comes back to hurt us? I said, Daddy's here. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then she started saying stuff like, Grandpa was the only one that loved me, you know? And I'm mm-hmm. like, for fuck's sakes. Um, so they seen the professionals, mm-hmm. did everything that they were supposed to, and we're a hundred percent positive. Nothing happened to my daughters. Thank God. man. Yeah. But the, the psychiatrist or whatever it was that they seen said that there is a really good chance that he was starting to groom Matea. Mm-hmm. Hence where the grapple was the only one that loved me come from stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So we stuck around, like we dropped everything. Like my boss, again, Tim was super, super understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, Hey, you guys take as much time as you need. You know, you guys stay in Medicine Hat, whatever. So we stayed down here and, you know, we helped my mom pack his stuff up mm-hmm. and we all banded together. And um, when the cops, he had to get a, a police escort to come pick up his stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're all sitting outside and then the cop pulls up and he's saying, he's, Cade, what are you doing here? I said, this is my mom's house. Mm-hmm. Like, these are my sisters. And he's like, can I ask you to go stand inside, please? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, no. But there was like a huge group of us. Like there was me, my wife, my sister, my sister's fiance, uh, my mom, and my brother, like my younger siblings, you know, like it was a big crowd. And he's like, we need people to do like, come on guys. And, you know, so um, we all just kind of dispersed, but like I just, and he wouldn't look at anybody, wouldn't talk to anybody, which was nice. Um, so fast forward to December of that same year. Um, he just straight up pled guilty, mm-hmm. which that's 
like I respect him for that, but that's as far as that respect goes. You know what I mean? He didn't try to say that they were liars. He didn't even mm-hmm. like even during his initial interview when he got arrested, he even said, "Yes, it's true." Mm-hmm. Um, so he pled guilty to everything mm-hmm. um, because of COVID and stuff. It kept prolonging it. So finally, the day he got sentenced, he was only sentenced to seven years. Mm-hmm. The judge flat out said. This is the only time that I have been disgusted with our judicial system. Mm -hmm. She said, because if I could give you more time, Mm -hmm. I would. She said, but I am legally bound to this amount of time. And and she just shredded him in Mm -hmm. court. And it was was nice to see. You know, the Mm -hmm. girls had a smile on their face. You know, it was, she just shredded him. And um, she had asked him if he had anything to say. And he pulls out this little crumpled up piece of paper. It looks like he found it on the bottom of like the floor of a vehicle. Mm. And all he said is, I know what I did was wrong and I'm sorry. That was it. Mm. Right. And she's like, that's it. You know, and he's like, you know, kind of pretty much like it is what it is. Right. And, uh, and I'll never forget that because Mm. like, I, I just wanted to reach across that penalty box and be, you know, for one, because it's my little sisters, but also as a father, Mm. you know what I mean? I do. Because like, it's, how can you do that? Mm-hmm. For one, to your own daughter, your own flesh and blood, and then to a little girl. And like the girls even said, they grew up thinking that that was normal, mm-hmm. that that's what dads did. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and then the, they got into like junior high and stuff like that, and they started learning about sex ed, and then it finally realized mm-hmm. this isn't normal, yeah. you know? So, and I just like... Obviously, as a big brother and stuff, that but it was like just as I couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm like, mm-hmm. you are supposed to be their most fiercest protector, mm-hmm. right? Like how? And it just and he got seven years and he just walked away. And so, <clears throat> you know, things were going good and whatnot. Um, Ocean, who was his daughter, she's the one that kind of got it the worst. Um, she kind of went in a downward spiral. Uh, attempted suicide, stuff like that. At this time, my daughters are still living at home with mm-hmm. my mom. So we're down there for Christmas. Um, and my mom said, you know, can you come over, you know, this day or whatever. There's just something I want to talk to you about. You know, we're like, oh, okay. You know, didn't think anything of it. Um, so we went over there. And I could tell that she wanted to talk, but like she was pussyfooting around stuff mm-hmm. and and then finally I'm like it's you know, it's getting late like I want to go mm-hmm. to bed so I'm like well what like what are we here to talk about and then she just started crying and she's like if you're not ready just say it and I will figure it out she, you know and I'm like what do you like what like what just spit it out you know she's like I'm struggling it's hard mm-hmm. I got the three kids plus yours I got to deal with ocean and and you know, she's like, if you guys aren't in, aren't ready, let me. I'm like, mom, tell me, like, what mm-hmm. are you guys able to take the girls, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, at this point, we were just counting down the clock, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're yeah. we had already, I mean, we didn't have a full year of sobriety yet, but we felt we were secure. We had our house, we mm-hmm. had a job. Crystal was back in school. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, we were just counting down the clock because we didn't want to pull the kid. First of all, mm-hmm. our one year packed. Plus, we didn't want to pull the kids out of school. Mm-hmm. So we're like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's, you know, like it's understandable. Like we're, we're ready. We mm-hmm. can bring them back home. We kept 
plans in place. So my mom is still a guardian of the kids. So for whatever reason, if Crystal and I fuck up and the kids, you know, if we relapse or something, the kids will automatically go back to my mom. Mm -hmm. Right. And we made sure that we kept that into place, you know, not for, uh, you know, for the safety of the kids and also just peace of mind for us, right. Mm -hmm. Being smart, right. Like, cause it can happen, right. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, obviously we fight every day for it not to happen, mm -hmm. but it can happen. Right. So, um, if you don't think it will, you're pretty naive yeah. and, you know, um, it's a shame it happens so much. It does. Right. And yeah. it is, it is, it's sad. So <clears throat> we go down for Christmas holidays and we end up coming back home with our kids, mm. which, which was amazing in itself. So we stuck around a little bit longer because it was kind of towards the end of the kids Christmas break. Mm. So, uh, my mom got in contact with their school and said, you know, this is what's going on. And what was really nice was their school allowed the girls to go the, the first day back to school, they, she allowed them to go, the school allowed them to go so they could have lunch mm -hmm. and say goodbye to their classmates oh, and nice. stuff. Yeah, so nice. that was really, really nice. So we stuck around for that, <clears throat> you know, so while they're at the school, because they went to the school right behind my mom's house. So they're, you know, they both dressed up really nice in little mm -hmm. princess dresses and went to go say goodbye to their friends. And we packed up my mom's vehicle as much with all of their stuff and booted it back to Calgary. And... Yeah, and then, so that started, then things just kind of got real for us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, now we're, we literally got everything that we wanted, right? Mm -hmm. We have our kids back, we have, you know, and it, it was more God shots. Mm -hmm. And I was always taught, and the program always teaches us, right? Like, to find the good in mm -hmm. all situations. It's not always negative, you know, there's some good. Mm -hmm. And I just kept thinking to myself, I'm glad that this came out now mm -hmm. because if it would have came out when I was in my addiction, I would, for one, would not have been in a state of mind to be able to be there for my family. Mm -hmm. And two, I would have been in the state of mind that I would have found him. I would have done something mm -hmm. and I would have been in jail before, you know what Completely I mean? Completely different reaction. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it was, it was like, that was that was the good that I got out of that shitty mm -hmm. situation was that I was sober and I was able to be there for my family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? And then I'm like, and I fully believe it came out then because if that's when it was, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, I applaud my sisters because the strength it took, mm -hmm. like, cause they were terrified, very courageous, fucking man. terrified, you know? Very and courageous. yeah. So, you know, our kids come back, they start the new, the new school and stuff like that. And the school is super accommodating, mm -hmm. you know, and like I said, we love our neighborhood in Abbeydale. They go to Abbeydale Elementary and we pulled up in front of the house and two doors down, mm -hmm. a dad and his daughter are sitting outside. So my mom, cause she's got a, an SUV. So we had a bunch of like those pink totes sitting on top of her vehicle, all strapped down and shit. As soon as we had pulled up, this little girl sees my daughters get out and she mm -hmm. comes run. Hello, hello, friends, right? Mm -hmm. And so the girls all of a sudden they like my mom's trying to say goodbye and mm -hmm. they're like, no, like they just and that was again another God shot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was just like <sighs> right. <'Cause... sighs> 
not even there two minutes. Mm-hmm. Right? They've already made a friend. So my mom is trying to say goodbye. <clears throat> she gets a hug out of them and they mm-hmm. fuck off. Right? That's fine. So we get everything all unpacked, you know, say our goodbyes and stuff. And, um, and yeah. And so we're, you know, the kids are in school. They're liking it. They're making mm-hmm. friends fairly quick. You know, and uh, going back and forth with the whole court thing, you know, stuff like that. And my little sisters are struggling really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with my little brother, Mason. Because Chris would send Mason outside, tell him to go for a bike mm-hmm. ride, go to the park, you know. And so Mason harbored a lot of guilt for sure. because he felt like if he would have known or maybe if he just wouldn't have gone mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Like he, he harbored a lot of guilt for that. So, um, you know, and I had said to him the one day, I'm like, well, now you're man of the house, you know, mm-hmm. like you got to help take, when I'm not here, I need you to help take care of mom. And, you mm-hmm. know, so he's 14, 15, right? Yeah. Darcy, two, yeah. two hours. Uh, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just confirming because I know it's been a while. So yeah. Oh, sorry, man. No, man. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That's actually gone quick. Um, so yeah, so he, uh. And he kind of took that pretty to t- t- heart. Mm-hmm. My mom would go out and do something. She'd be gone for a while. He'd message. He's like, where are you? Mm-hmm. You know, and she's like, oh, I'm out. Doing-. He's like, well, you were supposed to be home like an hour ago. You know, mm-hmm. and he became like a like a little father hen almost, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it was, you know, and um, but he was going through a lot, too. But mm-hmm. they were super strong, super strong. Um. So yeah, things are things were going good, and then because uh, the work slowed down, and now the kids were back, we I had to get serious about trying to find a job or mm-hmm. do something. So I looked into getting back and going back to school. Mm-hmm. So during all that, I had gotten I had gotten my GED and whatnot. So I applied to Reeves College for the addiction, or, yeah, addictions and community services worker diploma, mm-hmm. right? Because I wanted to be an addictions counselor. When I originally wanted to do that, um, I wanted to be the guy in the office because during my addiction, there was a few times that I tried to go to an addictions counselor through mental health. Mm. And the ones that I personally seen were just, were jokes, mm-hmm. right? Like it just, it seemed like they were there for a paycheck. Like they, you know what I mean? Like they didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I always left feeling more discouraged, you mm-hmm. know? And I was like, I want to be at least somebody that will actually help these addicts, right? And, I, and I'm sure there are counselors of out course. there, you know, yeah. but just the ones that I've personally seen, like they yeah. really should have chose a different profession. Mm-hmm. So throughout, so I got accepted into, into college and I was going to class and because of COVID, everything was online. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout my course, my direction changed. Right. Like I was like, okay, no, I don't want to be an office counselor. You know, I want to be private practice. And mm-hmm. then I was like, no, I don't want to do private practice. And then it, and I'm like, I want to be in a treatment center. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it clicked because the staff at Simon house, I remember like, especially the support staff, so many times I went and talked to them and mm-hmm. they were able to bring me back off the ledge. Mm-hmm. And I always remember saying to myself, I want to be that for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was it. Like I was set on, I'm going to, I'm going to work in a treatment center. That's where I want to be. So my first choice was Simon House, right? I wanted to go back. I wanted to get Mm -hmm. back to that. 
So I had applied to Simon House and was going through Indeed, <coughs> flipping through, you know, just firing off resumes everywhere, everywhere. And then uh, 1835 called. I said, can we set up uh, an interview? Mm. I said, hell yes, we can, yeah. So I went, I think it was a Monday or something. I went, sat down with them. You know, we did the interview. I was fucking, I was nervous, mm. like nervous, nervous, nervous. And then it came to the... Uh, criminal record question mm. and I kind of hesitated and then I was like yeah yeah I, ha mm. I have a criminal record and he's like well if you would have told me you didn't I would have told you you were a liar mm. you know what I mean because they in the job description it said looking for somebody with 12-step knowledge mm -hmm. and lived experience mm -hmm. right so and that's and so he's like if you would have went through addiction without a criminal record yeah, especially you know I he's like mm. I would have called you a liar <laughs> you know so I was a bit nervous about that. Anyways, the next day, next morning, he called me. He said, I would like to offer you the job. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy fuck, right on. So <clears throat> I started the week after that. And um, so I've been there just over five months now. And it, it, it it's amazing. Like it. Uh, That's awesome, man. Yeah. A couple weeks after I started, Simon House returned my email mm -hmm. and wanted to set up an interview. For a split second, I almost replied to that email with okay, mm. right? Because that's where I wanted to be with Simon House. But mm. then I was like, no, that's that's old thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't want to start my career off like that, mm -hmm. you know? So I was like, you know what? I appreciate the offer, but I am already somewhere, you know? Mm. And thankfully I did because, like, it is amazing. Like, I just, the work I do, I mean, right now I'm on overnights, which mm -hmm. is fine, but... I find I get more intimate conversations with the guys. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They they come down at three o'clock in the morning to talk to me about something. Mm -hmm. They're not worried about the lineup outside the office. The guy's wanting yeah. to come and sign out. And, you know, so I can have more in-depth conversations mm -hmm. with them. And, and I still feel like I'm, you know, making a difference and stuff, right? And it's... It's a gift of presence, man. Yeah. Being there. Being there when people need you is yeah. how, how it works. Yeah, you know, and it's... And the first little while I had struggled with with that because I've always worked in jobs where there's if you're sitting you're mm -hmm. like there's always something to do always something to mm -hmm. do always so it took me a while to get out of that mindset because mm -hmm. like I would you know I'd be sitting in the office and I would have done everything that I need to do for the night and I'd be like uh you know so mm -hmm. a couple of my coworkers are like you being here is what's doing it mm -hmm. you know what I mean like that's you, the purpose yeah you know so but yeah like they're it's 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 amazing like they don't they don't see us as a number. They see us as a people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's a big family. And I've never worked at a place like that before. Cool, man. Right? And so I've run into a few health problems in the last few months. Mm -hmm. And I've had to take quite a bit of time off work. And they're just like, nope, that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm sitting there half-ass expecting that I'm going to get fired. You mm -hmm. know? And they're like, no, you don't need to worry about anything. Get yourself better. Mm -hmm. Be honest. Get better and you'll be fine. Yeah, right? So, mm -hmm. and then I passed my three months. And I do, you know, my three month interview and, um, they offer me, you know, like you, do you mm -hmm. want to stay on? I sign an actual contract. They give me a raise, you know? And, um, and yeah, like it's, I love, 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 love going to work. Mm -hmm. Like I have never in my life looked forward to going to work. Right. You know what I mean? And it's just like every, every day I'm just so blessed and so happy to be there, mm -hmm. you know? And my favorite moments are sitting down with a client who's just completely broken and mm -hmm. shattered and 
having a conversation with them and, and watching that light just mm-hmm. turn back on, you know, or having a client, you know, the other day, um, unfortunately, we had to do a discharge and mm-hmm. it was of a client that had been there for a while. It made a really good connection with a few of the guys. Mm-hmm. So a few of the guys had kind of taken it a little hard. One in particular who was a roommate. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next morning I'm in their room and I'm packing up this client's stuff and he's in there. So I kind of had a conversation with him. So, you know, where, where's your head at? And I could tell that he was, he was struggling hard. Um, so I, you know, I gave him some advice, gave him, you know, some life advice and personal advice and, you know, and it just said like, give it up to your higher power, man, you know? So we had that conversation. I went home that day and I took that home with me, which I usually don't do. Like Mm -hmm. I make a point of work is work, home is home. Like when I get Mm -hmm. home, I take the counseling hat off, right? And I don't want to bring that home. But I couldn't help bring that home because in the back of my mind, in the bottom of my heart, I was half-ass expecting coming to work mm-hmm. that night and finding out that he that he left, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just that's... It can happen. Yeah. So I get to work and it didn't say anything about him leaving. So I'm like, great. Like, it, it'll be on my mm-hmm. shift. And he come into the office and... Uh, Biggest smile on his face. Cade, buddy, Cade, I've been waiting all day for you to get mm. here, man. He said, I took your advice and it worked. He said, I, I finally gave it up. I stopped trying to control everything. And because uh, he was in a shitty situation with work, he got a call from his old job, the one that he wanted back so bad. And mm. he got an old position back. He got, you know, like it just everything fell into place for him. Mm. And he'd take in. And I was just like, you know what? It's, these moments right here that I'm like, that's that's why we stick it out just for today, man. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And it was, yeah. And I'm like, I told you, man, like I'm, I'm super, super, super happy to hear that. Like, and, mm-hmm. it, and it just warmed my heart because our job can be pretty brutal sometimes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the very first time I had did a discharge by myself, when it was all said and done, I sat in the office. And this is what I knew when I was working at an, an amazing place mm-hmm. was, when everything was said and done and that client was gone, I bawled. I started mm-hmm. crying. Like I tried to, I tried to hold it back. And one of my coworkers is like, are you okay? And it waterworks. Mm-hmm. And I just started crying and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And so my team lead came out of mm-hmm. his office and stuff. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. Like he's like, what this tells us is that we've hired the right person. Yeah, man. You know you're I mean? a human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't, I, you know, I'm like, this isn't going to affect how I do my job or anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it just. And it was like at that moment that I really knew that I was at a really great place. Yeah. So, and Very yeah, cool. yeah, you know, and so I go from being bottom of the barrel to, you know, just, and I was so scared and I just, and I think mm-hmm. back about that all the time. You know, I was terrified to get sober, mm-hmm. fucking terrified. You know what I mean? And I don't know why now. Like well, I'm, it's just the program works. Like, and I kept mm-hmm. hearing that promises, like in the rooms, so promises, promises, promises. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's, but for me, it was like, they happened and happened and continue to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm going on three years. It'll be three years, December 31st. Right. right on, so, man. you know, and now I'm able to give legitimately give back what was so freely given to me. Right. Like it just, and that's, and yeah, that's my favorite part. Cool, man. Yeah. Let's let's end it on your favorite part. Sure. Yeah. Right on, Kate. Thank you again for coming. Yeah, no, thank you for thank having you so me, much, man. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's really awesome to be here, man. Very cool.